Hey, Lizards, Gizmo here. I wanted to share some of the cigars we'll be smoking in May and June, so you can smoke along with us if you'd like. For Cubans, we've got Hoyo de Monterey Double Coronas, Partagas Aliados, H. Upman Half Coronas, and Monte Cristo Open Eagle. And for New Worlds, we've got Davidoff, Winston Churchill, and Bellicoso, Diamond Crown, Julius Caesar, TAA Shark, 2023, Liga Pravada, T-52 in Corona Viva, and Davidoff, Late Hour in Robusto, with much, much more to come. Have a suggestion? Email us. Hello at loungelizardspod.com. That's hello at loungelizardspod.com. All right, boys, let's talk about our presenting sponsor, Fabrica 5. Oh, yeah. It's a handcrafted and artisan story with the strong foundation of Rob Isla from Friends of El Habano and Bon Roberts fame with Hamlet Paredes, Master Blender, and Cuban Cigar Legend. Love you, Rob. They're already fantastically priced, but exclusive to Lizard listeners, they can get 10% off Con Anazo 5-packs and 25-count bundles starting right now. Using code LIZARDN6. That's coupon code LIZARDN6. What is Carlos Anzo says it? <laughs> <laughs> you can get worldwide free shipping as well on all orders over $125 US. The website is Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. That's right. The more you buy, the more you save. Exactly. And it's important to note, boys, the Cononazzo is the same size. Siglo 6. Siglo 6. Can't wait exactly, to try it. From Cohibo. Oh, yeah. These cigars are crafted and refined by feedback from a hard-nosed tasting panel, the FOH community, and customers. That's How hard-nosed you. were you on that tasting yeah. panel? <laughs> yeah. I was pretty hard-nosed. You know, you are an elite insider. <laughs> Right. Did, did you retrohale? I just want to make sure you did. You can literally jump on the FOH forum right now and post detailed reviews that go straight to the powers that be. And you can tell Gizmo every <laughs> note that you got that he didn't Correct. from the retrohale. And Gizmo likes to get calls at 2 a.m. in bed. <laughs> Be part- <laughs> Become part of the FOH community today. Fabrica 5 is direct from the farm in Honduras to your hand, and they ship out of Miami, so there's no customs nightmare, which is awesome. That's awesome. Oh, Pagoda, you're safe. (laughs) Fair enough, you know. (laughs) Again, use code LIZARDN6, all one word, no space, for 10% off Cononazzo, five packs, and 25-count bundles starting right now at Fabrica005.com. That's Fabrica005.com. Free shipping on orders over $125 U.S. Must be 21 years of age or older to order. Fabrica 5. No boxes, no bands, no bullshit. And now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Lounge Lizards Podcast. So good to have you here. It's a leisure and lifestyle podcast founded on our love of premium cigars, as well as whiskey, travel, food, work, and whatever else we feel like getting into. My name is Gizmo. Tonight, I'm joined by Rooster, Senator, Pagoda, and Bam Bam. And our plan is to smoke a cigar, drink some scotch, talk about life, and of course, have some laughs. So take this as your 117th official invitation to join us and become a card-carrying lounge lizard. Planet Meters here once a week. We're going to smoke a Cupid cigar tonight, share our thoughts on it, and give you our formal lizard rating. We begin the three-part recap of our 2024 trip to Cuba this week, including our first impressions of Havana almost a year after our first visit, an update on our restaurant and lounge recommendations, and the massive impacts of inflation all among a variety of other things for the next two hours. So sit back, get your favorite drink, light up a cigar, and enjoy as we pair 14-year-age Glenn Livett single malt scotch with the Punch Double Corona. A Cuban Double Corona on the pod tonight. It's the Punch Double Corona. It's a 49-ring gauge cigar by 7 and 5 eighths inches long. And boys, I think we have finally entered the battle of the Cuban Double Coronas. Giz. 
the moment you handed this cigar to me, my excitement level went through the roof. I saw it. It's a beautiful cigar. It is. And it's not one of the double Coronas that's widely chased, like a Lusitania and the Hoyo. You know, this is kind of like the... Is it due to availability? Or? I guess. And I just think that Punch is kind of a, mm. if you're in the no kind of marca. I love that marca. You know? And and I know Rooster. I do too. One of I, know you do. I love Punch. Oh, I do too. I love the Punch Punch. Yeah, same. But I have not had this. Short to punch too. I have not had the double Corona. Yep. Yeah, short, short to punch is delicious. Is a phenomenal stick. Look but. how look at this flagship cigar. This is yeah quite a stick, man. We we like their mother factory too. Yeah, La Corona. Corona. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We have a lot to talk about today, boys. Back from Cuba. Very exciting. But first, let's cut this thing. See, we're getting on the cold draw on the wrapper. So I've never had one of these. Like Rooster just said, I've had this box in the humidor probably for about a year, year and a half. I was very happy uh, that the feet on these looked like they weren't overpacked. And and sometimes when you pull a Lusitania, it's a little tough, you know? Come on. Bam's giving me the hand. That cold draw is outstanding. Mm. Senator. Uh, just the draw is wide open. Perfect. But, it, but it's mm-hmm. delicious. It's great. I'm getting a lot of dry fruit here. Mine's a slight bit resistant, but mm-hmm. dried fruit, coarse cedar, which is interesting because it came out of a dress box. But it's so pleasant. Mm. I went with the uh, V. Oh, was, you went V cut. A la Danilo. Look at you. Very okay, fair. Is this slightly smaller in ring gauge than the Lucy? No, it's identical, actually. Really? Yeah. I don't know why Lucy feels bigger in the hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. All right, boys, let's light this thing. The Punch Double Corona. Again, it's a 49 ring gauge cigar by 7 and 5 eighths inches long. Its factory name is the Prominentus. And these cigars are slightly over two years old. S-O-U is the factory code. Excellent code. December 21. Excellent code. And do we know what these cost? These are somewhere now between $35 and $40 a piece. By the way, uh, I got a couple uh, in uh, one of the stores in Cuba. It was uh, twenty-four fifty a stick. A couple of these? Habana Libre. You're joking. Wow. No, they had these. They also had the uh, Hoyo Double Coronas. Really? 26, oh. 26 bucks. Damn. Yeah. Well, this is great on oh, the light. Amazing. The light. Wow. Wow. The retrohale on this, I'm just like... Honestly, there's a lot of fruit there. It's like bubblegum for me. <laughs> it's not. It's right there. Definitely getting mm. the cedar, dried fruit. A little spicy, a little bready. Bread, like a um, a biscuit. For me, it's biscuit fruit forward at the moment. We're going to need to get boxes of these. Oh, yeah. Well, this is excellent. Mm. It's very complex on the light. Oh, yeah. Why did we not get more of these? <laughs> right? <laughs> We only got a couple. Correct. Because of those custom guys in bloody Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Pagoda's favorite people. Yeah, he loves those folks. So, boys, like I said, these come out of a dress box of 25 cigars. They used to, unfortunately, come in a slide lid box of 50 cigars, which was discontinued in 2017. They used to come in a dress box of 10 cigars, a dress box of 25 cigars in cellophane, and the coolest one is they used to come in a cajon of a hundred cigars in a bundle. Oh my goodness. That's just too much to take. 
I'll take it. <laughs> oh, I mean, we can't get that anymore. I would I would settle for a fifty cab. Oh yeah, I would love a fifty that would cab. Be incredible. Do they exist? Well, twenty seventeen they discontinued. Giz probably has seven of them. He's not telling us about. <laughs> this is actually so. I, like I said, I've had this box in my humidor for about a year, year and a half now. Box of ten. Uh, t- box of twenty five. They don't make the tens anymore. Look at you. And I have not smoked one. I, this is my first one smoking tonight. I hmm. put that box aside for the pod uh, to see how it does, and then. Uh, as it performs tonight, I'll I'll start pulling on them, you know, and and see what happens. It's nice of you to wait to share a double Corona with mm-hmm. us, as we always do. Mm-hmm. Correct. We yeah, I remember that story with you guys, <laughs> the Hoyos. <laughs> the listener will remember that very loudly. Uh, upset with you guys for smoking the Hoyo double Corona. Ah, right. On Puva's porch without me, even <laughs> though I procured them. Correct. Uh, Two fifty cabs. So, boys, this cigar is old. It uh, appears. In the 1962 Cuba Tobacco Catalog, so it's definitely pre-1960 release. It's the flagship of the punch line, even though when most folks think of punch, they're thinking of punch, punch. Mm -hmm. They're thinking of punch, short to punch. They're thinking of a lot of the regionals that come out of punch, because this is a market that's used a lot for regional editions. And of course, uh, some of the La Casa del Habano special releases, like the Punch 48. Uh, which one of our lizard friends here in the lounge, Lizard Henry, yeah. loves that cigar. So um, this one, you know, simply by the nature of a double Corona, the leaf being so large, harder to get, harder to roll, and not being as in favor with the the current common smoker, you know, double Coronas are just not as available anymore. So like you said, it was nice to see them priced fairly in Havana when we were there yeah. uh, last week. Shocking that price, honestly. So what are you guys getting on this? I'm getting a nuttiness in this cigar that kind of reminds me of the Punch 48, but a different type of nut. The Punch 48 is like a walnut, like a kind of intense nut flavor. This is more like an almond or um, cashew, maybe even. I like it. Yeah. I love the cigar so far. Complimented also by a little spice. Agreed. Just a touch of spice. Not much at all. Just Just the right amount. Yeah. I would say it's a little bit on the fuller side. Flavor-wise. Yeah, like medium, yeah. I think firmly medium. Yeah, I agree with that. So this is now the fifth Punch Cigar that we've done on the podcast. We did the Mantua Regional Edition, the Punch Punch, the Punch Duke, which was also a regional, Mexican regional, and we did the Punch Short to Punch. So this is the fifth one we're doing. And like I said, this is the flagship of the marker. We did cover on a recent Punch episode, I believe it was the Short to Punch episode, a little bit of the history, so I'll kind of breeze through this real fast punch brand was established around 1840 it was designed and very popular uh, in the british market it draws branding elements from mr punch which was a puppet show in the uk as well as royal iconography it was founded and owned by manuel lopez fernandez via his firm juan valle isia from 1884 until 1925 and his name is still on some of the Punch logos. So if you see the Punch logo, you'll actually see his name on it. After the blue mold crisis in the early 1980s, a lot of Punch's models were canceled. And then in 2002, when Habano Sese really came in and kind of wiped out a lot of this stuff, Punch, a lot of Punch stuff went away. And now, uh, as of today, this is classified by Habanos in the value category of the portfolio brands. And of course, like I said, it's very popular for regional editions. And, uh, they say it comprises medium-strength cigars, 
which I think is accurate in these. But I think some of the others that we listed kind of lean a little bit more mild. But um, I don't think of strong cigars when I think of punch. No. You know, or even medium, really. But, but flavorful cigars, though. Oh, delicious. That, that comes to mind. Delicious. Like the Punch Punch and the Short to Punch for me are, are outstanding cigars. They are. And delicious. And then finally, like Senator noted, the mother factory of Punch is La Corona. Which we love, in too. downtown Havana. Yeah. So let's go through some of the other cigars in their line very briefly. Currently available, the Coronations which comes in a dress box of 25 in tubos. The double Corona we're smoking tonight, the Petite Coronation, same configuration as the Big Brother Coronation, the Punch Punch, as we discussed, which comes in a dress box of 25 cigars and a dress box of 10 cigars. We reviewed that cigar. That's a Corona Gorda, 56 by 5 and 5 eighths. And then, like we mentioned, the Punch 48, which is a Hermosa's number 3 Grand Corona, 48 by 5 and a half has the LCDH second band on it, and then the short to punch, which is a Petit Robusto 50 by four and three quarters inches. There's a new Petit Corona coming out, which I'm sure the rooster here is going to be very interested in. It's going to be released early 24, it says. It's called the Triunfos, and it's a 42 by five and an eighth inch. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, A lot of canceled cigars. I don't want to go through them all. But this line definitely was cut down quite a bit, hmm. uh, twice, like we said, in the 1980s and then again in the early 2000s. So that's the rundown on Punch. And as we noted, by the way, it shares a name with a very uh, unrelated cigar brand sold in the United States here, which <laughs> is very commonly uh, attached to that bobblehead thing right? Uh, that you always see at some of the cigar shops. I use those. And, uh, I use gas those stations. At, and, and gas, gas stations. stations, yeah. I use those in the garden. Ah, you put those in the garden. <laughs> yep. You plant a tomato, put, put one of those sticks right next to it. And it keeps the bird away. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the bugs. But I must say the draw on this, for this being such a long cigar, mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I'll go as far as saying this is the best constructed double corona I've ever had. I agree. And the fact that we have five of them, and I didn't, when I was going through the box, I always look at the feed of the cigars that I pull for the podcast, just so we try to eliminate any construction and draw issues. And the first five I pulled were these five. So the fact that we're n- none of us are having an issue with how many issues we've had with Cuban cigars is a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. We didn't mention the quality of the wrapper. You know, I'm looking at Rooster Cigar. It's slightly glistening. There's a beauty to this wrapper that I love. Uh, very slightly toothy, beautiful color. You know, this is really significant in the hand, too. Like, it just feels great. Yeah, it's like a late hour, right? Like, a, you know, one of those, you know, a Churchill, anything like that feels fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the size. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've kind of had really bad luck with Lucy's. Have you? Not good. Yeah, even like a lot of aged Lucy's, they just draw issues, plugged. Having to get good luck. I mean, just, you know, five of us smoking a punch double Corona, no draw issues, burning great. Yep. Fantastic smoke. The combustion's really nice too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of nice smoke output. And I'm finding, even as I'm, I was talking through the punch history, I didn't draw it for probably two minutes, right? You're, Three minutes. You're not going to have to nurse this. And thing. I don't think I'm going to have to touch it up. The no. burn is really sharp. And really nice. Honestly, the retrohale, I'm doing it now on every draw. It is outstanding. I think when I asked if this is smaller in ring gauge than the Lucy, the dress box, this coming out of a dress box, I've 
only smoke Lucy's out of a 50 cab. I think it's kind of just made it a little more compact and it feels nicer in the hand. And I also think that this isn't too, this isn't overpacked with tobacco. Um, just helps. I, I love like for me in the hand of Churchill, there's like nothing that feels better than that. A double Corona I like, but sometimes can feel a little, a little large or just kind of unwieldy. This is perfect. Yeah. Sometimes I find too, to your point, a lot, some of the double Coronas I've had Hoyos, I've had Lucy's that are quite a bit heavier than this, even though it's the same size. Like, I don't know what it is. They're just more densely packed than this is tonight. But I'm really, I was relieved when I pulled the box out that these didn't have a ton of weight to them. Yeah. I agree. A Lucy can literally feel like a baseball bat in your hand. (laughs) Totally right. So boys, let's talk about it. We have just come back from our second visit as a group to Havana. We had an amazing time. Senator and I went for 10 days. Some guys went for seven. A couple guys went for less than that just you know, because of other commitments. But we had a wonderful, wonderful trip again. Incredible. It remains my favorite place in the world. I think we all share that uh, feeling. But uh, any first impressions returning almost a year later now? What, what were some of your first impressions this, this go around? Uh, for me, honestly, the moment we, we land, I landed, um, I felt like I was walking back into my home. Walking into the Airbnb, it felt like home. That, that's literally the first word yeah. that came to mind, home. It was very comfortable. You know, we're used to going now, but I'm still enamored by the beauty of it. But walking into our house from the airport, the drive over, just felt like I was walking home. It's great. I just think it's so refreshing. Like the contrast of we live in the States where so many of our interactions can feel very transactional, even superficial materialistic, and you just go to a place like Cuba, and it's the complete opposite, right? Like nobody's sitting there on their cell phones all day. Like you're having meaningful conversations Mm -hmm. with people. Here we have everything and we're complaining as if like (laughs) our lives are so difficult. There they have so little and they're not complaining, right? Like you're, they're just enjoying each other's company. And for me, it was just so fun. The people that we have met along the way as we spent more time there, um, they feel like family when you see them. And it's just so nice to be able to spend time with them. And so- uh, for me, it's there's no place that I'm able to be as present as Havana. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also the fact that having gone there a couple of times, like the first time you kind of didn't know what to expect. And now every time you go back, you're like, you meet the same people. They know you, you recognize them, they recognize you. There's a level of comfort that you feel. Right, that you kind of you know have to go there a few times to, to yeah. feel that, and you know the streets, you know the streets, like where you know, to go, the yeah. direction to go. True, it's much more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah I felt um, I, I think the first time I went, I was so very nervous. You know, you walk into the airport, and there are a couple of these guards standing over there. You're walking to a country which you've heard often. You have a very different perspective. <laughs> this is why Pagoda got stopped. <laughs> and, you know, but this time around... There's a I, bullseye on his face. Yeah. <laughs> well, his eyes are wide open looking around <laughs> like binoculars in the airport. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm uh, nervous around authority. Let's put it this way. <laughs> but having said that, the second time, you know, I, I flew in on my own and, you know, I, I showed up a bit late, but it, I was so comfortable. I was, you know, it, uh, it really is... Uh, um, a place you get once you get familiar with it, uh, you feel at home. It's uh, excellent, you know. It's and you know, uh, me and uh, Rooster often talk about it. It's somewhat reminiscent of going to India. There's, you know, going at least at the time when we grew up around 20, 30 years ago. Uh, there's a bit of uh, slowness to the thing. It's not mm. so fast paced and 
everything you know takes its own time and uh, they're very sociable the conversationalist and very very helpful you know uh um i lost my luggage you know they helped me through they in fact delivered it the same night in cuba which was fantastic by the way so. if you lose your luggage at newark you're not getting it the same day no you're no, not no it's not happening and, no. and pagoda um what airline delivered it same day at night uh -oh. <laughs> it was it was american <laughs> just clarified yeah. great experience service. yeah yeah but overall i uh, felt really good yeah I mean, I think for me, I think a combination of what's, what Senator and Pagoda said kind of sum up my thoughts. Number one, like, I feel as soon as I land there, just time slows down, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and, and then what Senator said, your ability to be present and, and every interaction is, is real. And it's like, you're in the moment. There's, there's nothing else distracting you from it. Your phone's not blowing up because, you know, there's not a lot of internet going on down there. You don't have Wi-Fi. You only have your cell phone with the data, but you know, it's like everything about my perspective changes when I go there. And I think it's why when I come back, I feel as refreshed as I do. Sure. We all because do. Because it's just, it just absolutely recharges my batteries in a way that no other place I've traveled in the world mm -hmm. has ever even come close to. Viva you know? Cuba. Viva Cuba. It kind of brings you back in time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. looking at the structures, you're looking at... Uh, Different towns like Miramar kind of reminds me of it. There's an area in Delhi. It totally reminds me of that. It's like a diplomatic enclave and uh, mm -hmm. the streets in India, just like that. Mm. Big, beautiful yeah. homes. Yeah. Like, Miramar reminds me of like Embassy Row in DC. Yeah. That's true. It's like beautiful and feels so stately, very right. quiet. Yeah. And there's a lot of beautiful architecture and structures over oh, there sure. from all the different oh, yeah. countries and their embassies and their diplomatic yeah. homes. You know? And the homes are not like cookie cutter. Mm -hmm. homes like here you know each one is individual it's like it looks different than the than the second one honestly i found downtown havana more interesting from the point of view of the way the the um you know the setting the quality of the of the buildings they're in poor shape but you stumble onto a gem within this block of dilapidated buildings it's incredible how they focus and invest in certain buildings and the rest of it is kind of it's cuba right so it's really yeah. that it's very ironic you know the inside is um i mean i wouldn't say most but in some of the homes like the inside is very updated oh yeah it's just the outside looks like in shambles it, but the true. inside is it's true it's totally nice yeah. even the cars i mean i was cracking up with some of the cabs that we <laughs> got in they had video screens put oh, in with dude. like music videos playing. In a, 1952, <laughs> in a 52 Chevy. I mean, can you imagine? You're watching a Carol G video in a, a 1952 so that, Chevy. With a Hyundai engine. So the, the cab that you and I were in, it had yeah. a digital screen. Yeah. Um, I think it had a, a, a map of some kind and it was tricked out. It was beautiful and it had a Hyundai engine in there or a Mercedes yeah. engine. Yeah. Incredible. And the, this time around, you know, uh, I think Roos and I, were, we were walking down one of the streets and it was like a mini bazaar. And I didn't know that existed in Cuba. Like the last time, I don't think we'd explored that much in terms of the local street in downtown Havana. And it was a mini bazaar with people coming and trying to sell us rum and cigars. And it was, it was fantastic. It was, yeah. yeah. We were on Obispo Street. Yeah, in Obispo, yeah. yeah. That's a main drag. Yep. Yeah. You know, the other thing I find too, and I think we touched upon this a year ago when we did these, you know, recap episodes of our first trip as a group there together. I just love how resourceful the Cuban people are. You know, even, even our host at the Airbnb, he's always tinkering with something, fixing something, repairing yeah. something. Yeah. 
He's got a buddy over. They've got the hood up on the car. They're fixing <laughs> something. Like they just consume their time with things that really matter in the moment yeah. and things that need to be done. And it's to me, it's just it's, it's refreshing. It's a refreshing, peaceful way to live. And like you said, it's it's like going back in time. It's yeah. like going back sixty years in time. Yeah, you it's know? also what choice do they have? You know, it's they like don't necessity have a is the mother of invention there. Yeah. I and mean, it's so true there. Yeah. So they keep things going. Yeah. Despite all the challenges, despite all the sure. gasoline prices are oh, like, gosh. Uh, yeah. going up five times, supposed to be thirty five CUP a liter, and they're paying like two hundred and fifty CUP in the black market. And there is no gasoline. There's such a vast shortage of uh, of gasoline on the whole island. Yeah, so inflation has definitely taken its toll in the last year. There's no question about that. We've seen it, obviously, in the prices that we experienced, but we're also hearing it from, you know, the folks that we're in cabs with, the p- folks that we're staying with, and we meet. The, you know, the prices have really increased significantly for them because of inflation. I mean, when they used to earn... 30 American dollars in, uh, you know, um, converted from Cuban pesos a month for working that $30 because of the inflation is now closer to 20. Yeah. Yeah. So they, you know, their pay has not been adjusted for inflation. So there was, you know, they have to resort to, you know, like you said, buying and selling gasoline on the black market, you know, and, and buying and selling phones and technology and other things. I mean, it's it's a really difficult situation. Yeah, It's a damn shame that we have an embargo. The U.S. is a net exporter of oil at this point. <laughs> we have right. it. Correct. We just can't send it there. Yeah. And the other thing that was interesting was we not even a single time exchanged currency this That's time. True. Yeah, That's we true. The past to. couple of times we always did, and this time it was just the dollar was widely accepted mm-hmm. and actually – Wanted, preferred, preferred. Yeah, they want that over pesos. uh, Yeah, and despite the embargo and all of that. Yeah, it's very convenient. And I think a lot of the restaurants that we went to that used to accept pesos to transact, they don't want them anymore. They want U.S. (laughs) dollars now because the inflation is so unpredictable that they have this pile of CUP that tomorrow, you know, the gas, like you said, is going to be five times what it is today. Yeah, and the Cuban government announced that. You know, in the past, we used CUP because the exchange rate wasn't that good. So when you go to a restaurant, you know, they're kind of, you, you're getting a better rate if you pay in CUP. This mm-hmm. time it was a little bit even, even keel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they leveled it out. Yeah. Yeah. It is unfortunate. You know, I think you used two pretty serious words as far as the situation there. It's, you know, a humanitarian crisis. And I think that a lot of... Uh, you know, news outlets have used those specific words to describe what's going on there. And, you know, obviously we're fortunate that we go there with the American dollar. You know, it, we're very, very uh, privileged when yeah. we go there. There's no question about that. That's a blessing. Uh, it, like, there's no doubt. But it, the people living there are really in a, in a seriously difficult situation right now. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I think the first time we went, it was astonishing to think of how the average person lives on like 30 U.S. dollars a month. Yeah. And with the rampant inflation now, like... That $30 is like half. How are they making ends meet, right? It's it's a mystery. And it's they're very difficult. Yeah, they've got to be resourceful. And I think there's a really, I think, you know, there's no doubt that there's a lot of hungry people in Cuba right now. Yeah. You know, which is a real tragedy. Yeah. You know, and, and I think for the listener out there, it, it, it roots us in our mission when we go there. It, it used to be about cigars. It used to be about rum and and going there as an experience as this kind of brotherhood that we have. And now, having gone there that first time, it changed the moment our feet hit the ground. And now when we go back, it's really in service 
of the Cuban people as as we elect when yeah. we we book our flight and we tell them why we're going. It's we load up our suitcases, we bring as as much as we can with us to to give away to people. We're you know we brought clothes and school supplies and toys and medicine and even acupuncture needles and other things that they needed. It's you know you you need to come with as much as you can to help these people out that you can sure. you meet along the way. You've got to be as giving as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. And just watching this, watching the people's faces light up when you give them stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing better. There's <laughs> nothing true. gives me more joy than, you know, seeing those people happy. I mean, it's it's a very small thing for us to bring a suitcase full of stuff, but you know, for them, it's it's huge. That's yeah, tremendous. I agree. I mean, I couldn't believe uh, one of the. Um, this woman who works as part of the staff at the um, the Airbnb that we were at, you know, we try to generously tip the staff. They work really hard. And so apparently from the last time she was talking about how with our tip, she was able to purchase a microwave and how she thought that in her entire lifetime, she would never be able to have a microwave. By the or, way, let's note she's 60 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Or get her teeth done. And right? she got her, she, and with that same tip from the last time, right. she was able to repair all of her teeth. That's incredible. Those are life-changing opportunities. And I, you know, the thing is, is we can't fix all these problems. Mm-mm. Certainly the United States can if, you know, they can, you know, alleviate a lot of this if we were to get rid of this stupid embargo. But, you know, we could impact on a micro level, make real, real serious impacts for people. And, yeah. and it's, it really is a nice thing that we're able to do. I mean, things are very dynamic there. You know, every time you go, it's different. Things are different for the people. Things are different for as a U.S. tourist. Mm-hmm. And anything can change at a moment's notice. Yeah, Right. I mean, even geopolitically, things change so yeah. fast. I mean, the fact that when we went in March, all we heard about was growing Chinese influence in Cuba. That was really kind of the, the talk of Havana. Then you fast forward, and now everybody's talking about Russian influence true. exploding in Havana. and um, Russian you know, investment as well. Exactly. They're yeah. allowing them to transact in the ruble they're giving out these decade, multi-decade leases to put up buildings. Yeah. Uh, these these Russian investors. They're building and, Russian banks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody was saying a Cuban national that you're not going to recognize Cuba because Cuba is not going to own Cuba. No, China and Russia will own. That's Cuba. exactly right, and that's a, it's a it's a crime. It's a shame. It's a crime. And the sad part, you know, to Gizmo's point of the United States could really do a whole lot of good there, is. You talk to all these Cuban nationals, and they have such an affection for America, and they would much rather American investment be made there so and true. us treat them decently sure. than Chinese or Russian investment that the track record thus far has not shown. I mean, none of this money is getting funneled back to the no. Cuban people. I mean, we heard stories of talking about these buildings and things that are going up, the labor that they're even using. They're not hiring Cuban no. nationals they to build these buildings. It. They're importing labor. They That's talked right. about, I think, they say some from some India. Some said Pakistan. Yeah. Pakistan, yeah. they were bringing in workers. From. I mean, yeah. that's just fucked up. These it's, people it's need money. This is their country, and they won't even give them these jobs. Right. Well, why can't the Cuban government do something about that? That the Cuban government the law that you have to hire Cuban... The Cuban government is partnering with these entities that are coming in to invest in Cuba. Here's it's why. It's a partnership. Here's why. There, there is no competition, right? So the United States has an embargo... If you're China, Russia, you, all you're saying to them is, "This is how we're going to do it." You don't like it? Who else is going to invest here? Right. No one. 
And so they dictate all the terms, and this is how the Cuban people get screwed over. Mm -hmm. But why bring outside labor when you have labor in Cuba? I mean, what they were telling us is that somehow it's even cheaper. <laughs> I don't and know. They, and, they might be, and they might be more skilled. No, skilled. It skills, might be a skilled thing, too. Because construction, they look for engineers and you know people with a certain amount of skills. Yeah, but how could it be cheaper than $30 a month? Yeah, I'm not sure about the factor of being less expensive, but Pagoda Maybe makes a Maybe the level point. of skill. Yeah, that's there's a point there. The, the thing that that same person said too that really hit me hard was, and he said it very simply, was that Cuba's always had an abusive husband, and you know, an abusive drunk husband. And unfortunately, what the United States could offer would be the hopefully the opposite of that—a supportive partner, a helpful partner. But the geopolitical nature of what's going on is. Um, right now prohibitive and it yeah. doesn't look like there's any end in sight to this and unfortunately every day that goes by there's more non-us influence happening there 90 miles from miami so it, that's our it's a real tragedy it doesn't seem possible for us influence to take hold there because of what's happening exactly and as you said it's growing by the day yeah so as that grows more and more how could the united states have any influence it's impossible and and damage is done and and the thing that we keep hearing too is that the chinese and 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 the russians and the other national influences who are moving in there do not have a care or regard for the betterment of the Cuban people. And that is the saddest part of all of it, you know? And, uh, you know, so that all must be said. And unfortunately for everybody smoking along with us tonight, that is an important part of this conversation is the reality of what's happening there with these people that we've really come to love. Yeah. And this culture we've really come to love and feel at times, even on a very small level, a part of uh, and feel very welcomed at, not in a transactional way. Right. So I think that those things are very important, and we feel those things are very important to be shared on the podcast. Agreed. So, boys, we're coming to the end of the first third here on the Punch Double Corona. How's it, how's it going for everybody? I want this box. This is unbelievable. I want me. the rest of your cigars. No. Okay. <laughs> How about somebody else? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I think Senator hit the nail on the head earlier. It's a sophisticated cigar. There are notes, there are, there are sweet notes, there are savory notes delivered in this beautiful, smooth vehicle. It's, it's, it's incredible. Fantastic smoke. I'm blown away, yeah. honestly. It's really? just so refined. It's complex. All the flavor notes are notes that I pursue in different cigars that this is kind of brought together in That's one. True. I'm really shocked. I, I love this cigar. Yeah. To me, this is right now, Better than the best Lucy I've ever had. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to hear that. Oh, yeah. And maybe I have not had a lot of Lusitanias or have had not a great experience, but this is better than any any Lucy I've had. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it I, pains I, me I, to I hear concur. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's the truth for me. You know? No, I mean, what I'm going to say is it pains me to hear that because everybody knows my affinity for Partagas, so it's hard to hear that. But you're not wrong. I, this is spectacular. Right. Yeah, it's difficult to smoke this slow because it's so good. I'm a little bit ahead of you guys. I need to ratchet back. So you guys mentioned the Lusitania. I want to go through some of the other double Coronas that are available uh, from Cuba. There's not many of them. So right now in the catalog, the Hoyo de Monterey double Corona, of course. The Partagas Lusitanias, which Brewster just mentioned. We did that on the podcast with Rob Isla. Did not perform well to pretty much everybody's point here tonight. We have the Punch Double Corona in our hand, and the Ramon Ionis Gigantes are the only ones left. Some of the notable ones that have been discontinued include 
the Vegas Robania Don Alejandro, which is very similar to the Classico in its uh, elusiveness and the way that collectors chase it. The St. Uh, Louis Ray double Corona was discontinued in 2013. And there have been some other double Coronas along the way. Uh, Edition Limitada from uh, Cohiba, from Monte Cristo, some other things. But uh, those are the ones that have been notably available through the years as a uh, as a double Corona. So, What year did you say this cigar is? This is a December 21. So it's wow. just over two years old. If just you would have told me old. that this had five more years of age on it, I would have believed you. But yeah. you That's know, how smooth and refined this is smoking. I think there's something about the punch blend, you know, the, the way that they construct punch, that if you think about the experience, especially Rooster has had with some of his punch punches that are only six, seven years old. The mine, how about mine that are two, two three years, years old. old? There is something about those blends that, and I, I don't know if, are you a huge fan of punch punch? I, I love the short to punch. I like the punch punch. See, I love the punch punch. Not as much as Rooster, but I love both cigars. This is definitely in line with yeah. how those perform. And I just think this is those cigars on steroids, but yeah. And a little more. This is an elevated experience. Can I, I just agree. say quickly on the punch punch? The the thing for me, so I've had some age ones from Rooster that have been spectacular. Exactly the flavor profile I would chase and expect. I've had some others that have like a much bolder flavor profile that are dramatically different. And so I just have a hard time with reconciling. Like, I don't feel like I always know what I'm going to get if I pursue a box of them, unless mm. I buy an age box that's just <laughs> like the one from I had from Rooster that I know is amazing. But for some of the newer ones, it's just the variation's too significant for mm. me to trust I'm always getting what I'd be looking for. But also the last couple of years, I think, you know, case in point, 19, 20, 21, 22 boxes are smoking great. Yeah. yeah. You know, labeling this entire mark as a value brand, I think is it's a mistake. I don't yeah. agree with it. Uh, I think this should be elevated. I agree. You know, punch should be elevated. And, and like I said, this is the flagship of the mark, and yeah. this should be a premier double Corona release. Off the I'm charts. sorry. I disagree. I'm actually okay the way yes. it is. Exactly. <laughs> yes, same, yeah. because, because the prices <laughs> will yeah. be double. Prices will are still double, awful. You know. Regardless of it's no, being called I mean, a value brand price, or not. No, it's, not it, it's not. He just said this is a 30-something dollar stick. This is a double Corona. This is a huge cigar. For 30-something bucks, that's a great value. Yeah. We smoke certain Davidoff cigars that are half the size that are 30-something dollars. So yeah. this is one of the rare Cubans that I actually think we would call a good value in terms of what you're getting for what you're paying. So I hope they keep it like this, like Rooster said. This um, fucking um, cigar sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally okay with a value brand over-delivering. Oh, I agree what, with you. That's what yeah. this is doing, and keep it that way. Good point. Totally. Keep it in the value The section. other thing, too, that I want to say is, be, you know, we're inside a Cuba recap episode right now, so it is important to note, uh, we've thrown a couple different prices around. Uh, you know, Pagoda was able to, you know, I think you guys saw some of these in Havana. They were like 25 bucks. That $10 swing is the premium that you're paying to get it inside the United States from, you know, from a retailer, from a, a secondary seller or something like that. So there is a $10 swing. They're 25 bucks in Havana from an LCDH. You might find them like that elsewhere, but most of the listeners on this podcast who find it from a legitimate source are going to be closer to 35 to 40 bucks. And we only saw it at Habana Libre on one of the lounges. We mm. did not see this anywhere else. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't see much anywhere else. Yeah, yeah there, was a, there was hardly any stuff. Inventory was low everywhere. Yeah. Which I'll be honest, I was surprised by just because it's not like we went after the festival when Havana's flooded and people are just buying stuff left and right. 
I would have thought the inventory would have been decent, but it was better in March after the festival the yeah. first time we went than it was before it, us going in January. The thing I've the thing I've learned though is I do think that's actually in the next few weeks now leading up to the Habanos Festival, mm-hmm. that's when they're going to make serious allocation happen yeah. inside Havana because why let it sit in Havana and wait for a tourist to show up mm-hmm. if you can move it to PCC or Hunters and Franco or whoever and it's sold almost the same day, you know? Yeah. Odalis at the Partica shop said exactly that. Yeah. So they're, they're waiting start for that and soon. they'll start to in, bring inventory in. Yeah. Yeah. So, boys, let's talk about our pairing really quick before we go into some of our other lounge and uh, LCDH experiences in Havana. Tonight, we're drinking the Glenlivet 14 year age single malt scotch whiskey. This is the third from the Glenlivet offering we've done on the pod. We did the 12 and the 18. And uh, I'm very excited. I've never had the 14 before. How is it? I like it. Oh, that's pretty good. I like it. Mm. Mm. I mean, I'm just going to say this is another one of those fortuitous pairings in Mm -hmm. that. Yes. Rooster used the words of value brand over delivering to describe the cigar. And I think that's exactly how I would describe this scotch. Glenlivet is the biggest producer of scotch in all of Scotland. It's a value brand for the most part. This drinks like a premium spirit. Absolutely. This is actually very, very good. How much was the bottle? So this was 68 bucks. Yeah, 14-year age or scotch. 14-year. Under yeah. $70. Mo- most 12 years are that true. price. That's true. So this is finished. A portion of the whiskey is finished in cognac casks. Mm. Cognac. Cognac, which we like. <laughs> Um, I, I think that for 68 bucks, this is a really delicious spirit. It's it's awesome. And I, you know, to your point, Senator, I think some of the other scotches that have like a very heavy sherry finish, I don't know how well they would have paired with this cigar tonight. They might have overpowered it a little. But I think for 14 years, this is really a nice match. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned other scotches with a heavy sherry finish. We love sherry. But the thing is, a word I would use to describe this scotch is incredibly balanced, which is, I think, also very similar to the cigar. As much as we love sherry, there are so many scotches we have, and we're like, it's just a sherry bomb. Yes. And that can sometimes, unless you have a full cigar to hold up against it, it can take away from the flavor you're getting of the cigar. And I think this is just fl- really flavorful, but so nicely balanced. that Very, very mellow. You can. It, 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 I would drink this with any cigar. Yeah. Dare I say, there is a hint of like an orange peel. I'm not using the word citrus. Orange peel in this on the finish for the me. The listener is, isn't dumb though. They know that orange peel is citrus. <laughs> well, I'm not saying the word. <laughs> it finishes beautifully. So let's talk about some of the flavor notes because I love doing this on the back of the box. The nose is supposed to have a sweet and fruity aroma followed by a subtle spice. Is that accurate? Let's give it a whiff. No spice on the nose, but the fruity forward, yeah, on the nose. On the palate, mouth-coating whiskey full of ripe, po- ripe poached pears, mandarins. There you go, bam. Yeah, mandarins there. In syrup and chocolate-coated raisins. And the finish, sweet and delicious, a Glenlivet Savor. Savors? What the <laughs> fuck? A Glen, that sentence doesn't make sense. Sweet and delicious, a Glenlivet Savor. <laughs> S A V O U R. What am I? What am I missing here? Savoir. Savoir. Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm done. Fo- I, no, 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 no. Don't quickly, follow me down the hole. I follow you. Do we love? Oh we God. love Savoir. What a nightmare. Uh. 
I love so you. So this is the cognac cask selection, selectively finished in cognac casks to give a rich and intense flavor. Very, very good. I love the presentation of the box. The purple, I think, is very cool. It definitely stands out when you're in the liquor store. You can mm-hmm. find this immediately, but a great, great scotch for 68 bucks. Delicious pairing. Yeah. I'm glad we did it because I feel like the things that get attention from Glenn Levitt, the 12 year, because it's in every bar you can ever walk in, at least and in the airplane. States, and airplane. And the 18 is an outstanding premium spirit they make that we've we've reviewed on the podcast. But I've never had the 14 until tonight. Oh, same. You know, and before the recording, you sent the list out. I was concerned that it may overpower this particular cigar. This entire marker for me, it's I would rather have a great cup of coffee with any punch cigar than a scotch. But this is quite a pairing tonight. It's working perfectly. All right, so let's get back to our Havana recap. Uh, we were in Havana last week. We're going to do three episodes on it this time. The first one tonight is our Havana recap. The second one in two weeks is going to be our recap of our trip to Vinales and some of the tobacco farms and what we learned out there. And third, and most prominently, we'll feature our two-hour interview with Danilo Rodriguez, the production manager for Cohiba. Highlight of the trip. That, Highlight of the trip. You're not I mean, gonna- both, even Vinales and... Uh, the time we spent with Danilo and recording there, I mean, it was incredible. You're going to have a lot of editing to do on that because I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> that was quite the night. Quite the night. Yeah, it was amazing. We felt uh, we were very, very lucky. So yeah. that's something to look forward to. So in two weeks, like I said, Vinales uh, recap. And then in four weeks, a month from today, will be our Danilo. It's really a interview. must for any listener who has the opportunity to make it to Cuba, must make mm-hmm. A trip to Vinales. Yeah. I agree. I mean, even if you... Even if it's a day trip, do it. If it's a day trip, but even if you're not a big cigar person, it's so beautiful out there. It is. I mean, some of the photos I took, you guys saw that one photo. It looked like a painting. Yeah. We're just looking out at just like all these mountains back there and just how lush and green everything was. It's just stunning. Yeah. This is part of the trip that I missed. And I'm kicking myself for missing it. It the photos were spectacular, and everyone you were encountering in the photographs seemed very friendly. And oh, they were just yeah, you we know had a, we had a wonderful time. Yeah, and it's you know what, incredible. Bam, and I'm excited for you to experience. I this can't wait with us, and also for the listener is we learned so much about the process. Yeah, because we were standing right there, you know, very similar to when we've recapped our time in the factories. It's going to be a great, great episode. So, so much to see out there. Yeah. So for the listener, tune in in two weeks. We're going to do our full recap of Vinales. And like I said, in four weeks, uh, you'll get to hear directly from Danilo with us. We did a two-hour interview almost. We were like Tim Russert asking all the hard-hitting questions. <laughs> we did. We did ask some hard questions. It's true. Yeah, and by the way, Danilo is the production manager at the El Leguido Correct. factory, Cohiba factory. Right. Yep. All right, so let's get back to our Havana recap back in downtown Havana. We mentioned the stock in the various shops that we saw was lacking. You know what wasn't lacking was our smoking experiences at those same exact shops, notably the amazing time we constantly have at the Partagas LCDH right downtown Old Havana, right next to the Floridita where Hemingway frequented. That is such an amazing experience every single day. I'm shaking my head because it never gets old. It just never, ever gets old. You walk into that back room, you sit down in that beautiful chair. It's it's always a great experience. I think there are more than any place you can smoke in Havana, especially if you go there a few times, you, you, you frequent it. 
they treat you like family and they are more hospitable than anywhere, period. True. That is true. No question. You feel like you're walking into your house and sitting in your living room. And I just, it's special. Like, man, it never gets old. It's just special every time. Yeah, it is. And our first day there, we walked in, we opened that lounge ourselves. Lights were off. We had it to ourselves. Great. It, that is the nice thing, and, and no offense to the folks who go down there for the, the various festivals and, and week-long events where everybody kind of, you know, runs to Havana to, to see their friends. Totally great, and, and we've all done it. But there was something special about being there at non-festival time where we really felt, I don't want to use the word VIP because it sounds kind of uh, bougie, but we were able to spend quality time with the people that we wanted to spend time with at the shops, namely the folks who run it, like Renee who runs Partagas and some of the other folks we mentioned. And instead of spending two minutes or five minutes, we were able to spend hours yeah. you know, learning from them and talking with them and sharing rum with them. It was it was really, really special. It's it's interesting that when you walk in, everybody has this assigned chair or sort. Like you go back to your own comfortable chair where you, everybody just goes and sits in their little It's like when corner. we come here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. when we come yeah. here. Yeah. It's the and same it's so setup. comfortable. Yeah. And yeah, and how, it's, it's how good is the coffee at the party? Oh, oh, oh yeah. it's so good. Delicious. Sony makes a great coffee. Oh, yeah, she does. And you know, the other thing too that was nice, we were able to experience 15-year-age Tavana Club there that with our delicious. cigars, which was unbelievable. Unbelievable. That was good. the first time I've had it. Have you had that before? No, I don't think any of us had no, it. No, we hadn't had it. Nope. So R- good. Renee was so generous and just oh. came in and brought that bottle. And I think all of us were just blown away. Gave us a big Renee pour. Yeah. Just kept the bottle up there. Yeah. Fantastic. And I Man. love he always, when he taps the bottle, he always throws some in the corner for those who've gone before us. Yeah. It's like he doesn't even think about it. He just whips yeah. like a little half even of a shot. Even if it's a $250 bottle. <laughs> you're just sitting there like in pain. I can't believe he just did that. I'm going to start doing that in our club. <laughs> Do it with your own spirit. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> I, so, I love the guayo bears that they wear. Oh, the, yeah, the uh, red ones. The men's linen yeah. shirts. How are you not wearing four, one four of those pockets. on a daily basis? Oh, you of all <laughs> people. Look at you. You're made for the guayo Because you know what? I actually have a couple of guayo bears. They're too long. Uh, I need like an untucked version. You're a little bit shorter. <laughs> Get a hemmed. I know. You're Mr. Know. Garment Man. Let's I go. I gave, I gave Gizmo one. I don't even he know did. if he's ever worn it. I have. Short I wore it in though. Havana. You he, did? Yes. He threw it out. Yeah. I didn't see I don't it. It didn't have a hoodie on it. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> no logo on it. <laughs> Watch. Look out for Lounge Lizard's Guire Bearers coming. Oh, we're going to do that at some point. <laughs> yeah, he talking. wore it with those Under yeah. Armour shorts. Custom, <laughs> custom embroidered Lounge Lizard's logo on a Guire Bearer shirt. That is not a bad idea. We got to do it. I love the idea. So oh, just a short walk away from the Partagas LCDH is a refound like we refound this place as a favorite the second level at the Parquet Central Hotel uh which is a very you know it's a high end i guess you'd call it uh european and asian and you know worldwide pretty much everybody but the US tourist destination and on the second level you were able to smoke and this time when we went they not only replaced all the furniture and significantly improve the furniture, but they also put up like a glass partition. Right. So it feels like a proper lounge. Correct. And we had some really great experiences there this time. Outstanding. I'll just say, the first time we went there, I honestly hated it. It was my least favorite place to smoke in Havana. I thought the chairs were super uncomfortable. 
I thought it was just too warm in there. There was not great airflow. And he's, the too AC. Picky. he's too picky. He's too picky. I picky. loved it. Oh, uh, I right, loved Pagoda? It. We, we started this conversation about the Partagas shop, which to me is the exact opposite. Like, mm-hmm. it's the perfect temperature in there. The chairs are comfortable. Like, I have no complaints when I'm there. Just in comparison, I, I, it paled in comparison. Like Gizmo said, this time, clearly they figured out these were problems. Those chairs, beautiful leather seats, mm-hmm. high backs. I mean, you could you could nap in these chairs for hours and feel great. The, the glass partition helped they because before it was open air with the entire hotel and it's a huge atrium. Yeah. So there's just a lot of heat, especially up on the second level compared to down below. That glass partition keeps the AC in that room much uh, more comfortable smoking experience, better it's, airflow. It's also a bit quieter. It yeah, is. It, it is. You're, the, you're it, not, yes. Yeah, it reduces the decibels from down below. Pretty much the lobby of the hotel is yeah. right there. So that's everybody who's coming in with their luggage and coming off the street and you coming hear it in with their kids. Yeah. You hear it all. And now with the partition, it feels like a proper lounge. Right. And the seating is just so much better Outstanding. than it was even a year ago. So that we've that's gone from the bottom of the list to now really close to the top of the list as, as far as our uh, experience yeah. goes. And what, great rum selection, great, great prices. Rum. Yes. Yeah. I How mean, much was believe, a pour of the 15? So that's what's wild. That 15-year Havana Club is like a $250 bottle. They had that for a single pour for, uh, so a 13, for 13 U.S. Right. dollars. That's yeah. right. That's insane. It's, it's a incredible. great pour. Now, you can also get a meal there. I saw a meal being delivered really? to see people that were sitting on the opposite side of the lounge. Hmm. Pretty, good, pretty good experience. Yeah, yeah we, we like typ- Typically, the hotels don't really have good food. No. Yeah, you don't want to eat. You know, you, if you're going to eat there, you know, as a tourist, you you definitely want to find private, privately owned restaurants. You mm. know, I mean, even even in the highly acclaimed um, hotel Manzana, which is the Kempinski, mm-hmm. I heard that the food's not that great. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's speaking, another great lounge. Speaking of the Kempinski, the 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 lounge there, the cigar lounge there, also improved. Somehow they found the air conditioning button and turned it on, uh, <laughs> and this year it was very, very comfortable and ended up being another great spot to smoke. And what's nice about that is the views of the Capitol and the park, because you're elevated. I think it's up three or four stories in that building. Um, it's such an amazing place to smoke and see all these views. And traditionally, folks at night like to go up there and take pictures on the balcony with the big Capitol building behind mm-hmm. them. It's a very common place to take a photo. But what did you guys think of uh, Kempinski this time? Definitely better than the first time. I mean, like you said, the first time was just too warm. The, the one thing that's a little odd about that place, so they have great hours. They're open late, where a lot of these shops close at like 3, 4, 5 o'clock. Um, but it, it just always has felt dead in there. Hmm. Like every time I've been in there, we're the only people in the entire place. I don't mind. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> and, and it, it, it's... It's a merit, but also sometimes, I don't know, I'm just... Like you want to see more action. You want to see more people. More action. Back. Or even I feel like when I've walked in there, the lights are barely even on. You just feel like you're in a place that has closed and they're maybe just staying open a little extra for you. But yeah. this time I didn't get that feeling. I felt like it was properly lit. Like it just felt like a, a warm, inviting lounge where I think the first time it just felt a little cold and like we maybe shouldn't be there at that time. So um, I, I think that also has definitely improved. Yeah, they do have a beautiful rooftop. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. They have a beautiful pool area. They have they serve lunch and dinner up at the pool area, which is nice. So I've yet to see that lounge as well. Do they have a humidor? They do, but really? no, they had nothing in it. They it's empty. Humidor, no, it's empty. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. empty. Mm-hmm. Their selection is like the least out of all the lounges that mm-hmm. we, we went to. Yeah, it but did feel a, nice a bit spot. sophisticated. Yeah, yeah. It looked like a sophisticated kind of place. The photographs right. are beautiful. 
It is, and that's where the most famous sommelier um, in Cuba, ah. uh, Jesus Machine, uh, he works there. They have a great rum selection, and he'll recommend different rums to pair with cigars. And if you're a cigar guy like we are, or gal, and you're listening to this podcast, and you have an opportunity to go to Havana, go meet Jesus Machine and just sit down and talk to him. Give him a cigar, have some rum with him, and and he'll give you two hours of just immense education on cigars and spirits and pairings and He's just a wealth of knowledge, and he's a great chat. It's, it's a fun master, to hang with. Yeah. Master Psalm. Master Psalm, both in wine and in cigars, which is, yeah. I think he's the only one on the island that, it, that is true. both. Here's a quick question. So the first time we went, we couldn't get up there. Yeah. You have to kind of know somebody to get up there because so they, that's, don't, they don't accept it's dollars. It's a key detail. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's it's typical, right? The whole country is like that. Okay. It's all about who you know. So every time you go there... You're going to make some contacts. You're going to find find some people who will give you wow. access to these people. So. You're, you're, you're a Cuban Giz, insider Giz. now. <laughs> Giz. <laughs> Giz more you see how he points? <laughs> no. Well, I'm, I'm pointing to him. He's directing to you. <laughs> so the final lounge that we should discuss that we, that we frequent when we're in, in Havana is the uh, second floor lounge at the Hotel Malia Cohiba, which is another nice spot. This time we didn't spend as much time there as we did in the past. I think because Parquet delivered, mm. and we were able to hang at Kempinski. But um, what did you guys think of Malia Cohiba this time? Again, I never get tired of that place. It's really comfortable. Um, it's bigger. Not as cozy as part of the shop, but really well, the quite back nice. room is really nice. It's it is. really quaint, and uh, yeah. you know, for four to five people, it's, mm-hmm. it's perfect. It is. So, uh, maybe I have a slightly different take. I Malia Cohiba, the first trip, was my favorite place to smoke particularly the room Rooster's talking about. They have this little private room off to the side. You have just glass windows. You're looking out at the Melicon. It's beautiful. The other seating area, I mean, it's it's not nice. There's no other way to put it, right? It's like there's it, lawn it, chairs. Yeah. It's wide open. It, it just, it, it feels totally out of place. If they just replaced that with like proper lounge furniture, that would make a huge difference. And I think the thing also now that I've come to realize, the ventilation in that private room is horrible. Mm-hmm. There is none. I mean, every time I walk out of that room and get back to our house, I reek of cigars. And I don't mind the smell of cigars, but it's like <laughs> so bad in there that it's just too much. So I think the fact that like the Parque Central improved so much, that for me now is a much more ideal smoking experience where I'm not just limited to that one room at Malia Cohiba. And the first time we went there, in fact, the room was occupied and we couldn't get in there. And so we had to go to another place to smoke. Right. You kind of have to sit in there if you're going to enjoy yourself. Where I like with Parque Central, any of the seats you take there, you're going to have a nice experience. Partigas, same thing. And it's never so, crowded. Yeah. So for me, now Malia Cohiba, someplace I would definitely return to, mm-hmm. but it's not at the top of my list like it was. The- so would you say Partigas number one, Parque Central number two? This time around. Yeah. Amelia Cohiba 3. Amelia no, Cohiba Kempins- might be the fourth. I would say Kempinski 3. Third is Kempinski and fourth is Amelia uh, Cohiba. Yeah, I do. And the, right. pl- the place that we should note that we completely wrote off, we didn't even visit it once this trip. Oh, the Cohiba atmosphere. Is Cohiba atmosphere yeah. in the really, really fancy eh. ho- uh, mall area, I yeah. guess. It's too horrible. If you want to, if you, if you could imagine sitting in an American shopping mall on a bench, effectively, mm-hmm. Smoking a cigar, that's what it feels like in there. Yeah. It's actually, you can, when you look down from uh, Kempinski, you could see right. Cohiba atmosphere. Mm-hmm. 
right from the elevator. And when really? Giz sits yeah. on a couch there, he looks like a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You make me sound like, a, that. like his a feet short don't touch person. the floor. I mean, it was comical. These couches were massive. <laughs> I think Shaquille O'Neal would feel short on those those couches. Right. So, boys, we're just around the halfway mark, maybe past it here on the Punch Double Corona. Every single draw for me has been nothing short of fantastic. Agreed. What is uh, what is everybody else's experience? I know, it's just delicious, nutty, a little bit of spice, and uh, I don't know. It's 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 complete. It's a punch punch DNA. The retro hail for me brings out the sweetness in the cigar. Yeah. Uh, just overall, a very consistent experience. Like it's not one of those cigars which has developed into something new or different. It's been a very reasonable, excellent experience throughout, and the combustion, I must say, has been fantastic for me. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think um, Giz mentioned every puff just being spectacular. Uh, even cigars that I love a lot, that I smoke regularly, I don't know that there are many cigars that every puff I'm sitting there saying, wow, this is unbelievable. It's Most of the cigar is unbelievable. And there are some moments in it that I'm losing a little bit of the flavor and then it comes back or whatever the case is. Uh, truly with this, uh, there's not a singular complaint I have so far. It's perfect. Excellent. Not tonight. You know what I love too is that none of us have picked up our lighter mm -mm. to retouch this thing. That's true. Not, not at all. None of the five of us have is... touched our lighter, and we're almost an hour into this episode. Very true. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, boys, uh, Rooster mentioned food not being great at some of the hotel places, you know, the government owned or the government run places. But we had some incredible meals at some of the most fantastic restaurants. Not only in Havana, but for me, take the nostalgia out of it or the, the feeling that we talked about of kind of feeling home. Some of these meals that we're able to get in, in Havana are just top tier compared with almost anything that I've had anywhere in the world. There is really some amazing food in Havana. Ropa Vieja. <laughs> wow. So, Bam, of course, we'll start with our, our new favorites, uh, Five Sentidos, Cinco Sentidos. Over near, actually, over near the Partagas shop in Parque Central, little restaurant that is is an absolute gem, mm -hmm. and we kind of got obsessed with it. I think we went there like <laughs> three straight nights, three straight nights, and our first the, three nights, and had the same dish every night. Yeah, every we night. all had ropa vieja every night. It's the best ropa vieja in Havana. Period. I mean, we've had it at a number of different restaurants. Nowhere even comes close. The presentation alone looks like something out of a Michelin star restaurant. Stunning. The food, the flavor, the everything's balanced. Like we, we were talking about the Ropa Vieja. It's like savory and a little sweet. Like everything was perfect. I mean, I'm not a big dessert guy. I never order dessert at a restaurant. Usually when I'm with other people, they feel differently and everybody gets dessert. Pagoda. Pagoda big dessert guy. <laughs> <laughs> and at that place, I mean, you know, I He's took shaking a his head in disagreement. He's irritated. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I took a spoon full of anyone's dessert, and everything was incredible. Yeah, that lemon cream thing that you got, yeah, unbelievable. Oh, that was excellent. By Wasn't the way, Wasn't that great? And it was light too, like after yeah. the Ropa light, Vieja, yeah. which is significant, and it sits in your stomach. Like there's a lot of food there, especially sure. if you get rice and beans with it. I mean, it's 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 so perfectly prepared. The Everything. To the Tostonis there. The Tostonis. I, I had two orders myself. You were obsessed. Giz was out of control with the <laughs> he Tostonis. Was. I mean, that's just the best thing the in the world. The look on the waitress's face 
when I had to say we want like eight orders of Tostones for five of us sitting there, I mean, she thought we were insane. Estupido Americanos. <laughs> it was, uh, that is a really, really special place. And like you said, I mean, if there's anybody out there who knows anybody who works at the Michelin rating place, mm-hmm. send them the Havana. This place should have at least one Michelin star. Okay. It is some of the best food I've ever had anywhere in the world. And to walk out of there for the five of us, and the bill is what, 180 bucks, 200 bucks total? It's ridiculous. I mean, Insane. that That's meal just, in New York would be five or six yeah, or seven times that. Amazing. The, the other thing we'd be remiss without mentioning, the service there Impeccable. is incredible. I mean- Every little detail, like we've talked about, obviously, I, I think stemware is important and they've got, they're, they're so, I mean, even the water, I mean, we were laughing. Giz didn't want to drink his water out of the bottle. Listen, but. it's like they were putting my water in like a, a fishbowl. Well, it, it was, was a, so big. I'd call it more of a chalice. Or a, it, was, uh, <laughs> yeah. it was very elegant, but just every little detail, like from the stemware they chose for each, whether it's water, wine, whatever you're drinking to, my goodness, like you... They they bring in like a little amuse for the table, uh, you know, a compliment to the chef. And then they literally, and it's in a tiny little shot glass. It's a gazpacho that we just right. basically put back Delicious. in the shot glass. Oh, None of us used any silverware for it. No. And then they collect the shot glasses. They take all the silverware off the table that we haven't even used, but it's unthinkable for them to have the same we, silverware we per course. <laughs> They're tainted. <laughs> it's it's very unlike here where they tell you, oh, can yeah. you please keep the fork? Yeah. Like, no, I put, <laughs> off your plate. I put the fucking fork on the plate so you can take it. Tranquilo, <laughs> tranquilo, rooster, tranquilo. <laughs> I mean, my God. It annoys the shit out of me. Wow. <laughs> isn't, isn't that annoying? Like it is you, annoying. Like you want the Correct. dirty fork taken away. Right. Take it away. They they take it and they put it on the dirty table. <laughs> it's true. We're here. We have clean forks and knives, but the thought of like bringing a second course without fresh silverware, I right. just couldn't believe at every stage. I remember someone at some point, their napkin fell on the floor. This woman darts mm-hmm. over, grabs the napkin, doesn't let the person pick it up, right. brings a new fresh napkin immediately. I mean, things you would literally only see at like a five-star Michelin star restaurant, unbelievable. Attention there. to detail. The way they clean the crumbs from your table. Yeah. The way they wipe down the table in between courses. Yep. I mean, it's it's incredible. The interiors of the restaurant's beautiful as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah Very well done. Really nice job. Beautifully yeah. appointed space. And I like too that you kind of, you can see the kitchen from all angles. If yeah. you're on the first floor, if you go up the stairs and you sit on the second floor, you you always have a view of what's going on in the kitchen and right. they're so precise. Mm-hmm. Even when you watch them, you know, we were on the second floor so we kind of had an overhang we could see directly down into the kitchen. The way they were dressing the plates for the Ropa Vieja. Very delicately. Very delicately, like an artist. Like, this guy was so meticulous about where he was placing every aspect of that decorative, you know, plating that they were doing. Again, it should have a Michelin star, that place. Yeah. No question about Truly it. Truly dispels the myth of where can I eat when I go to Cuba. Yeah, anybody who's worried about finding good food in Cuba, yeah. especially as an American uh, or yeah. European or anywhere, yeah, yeah. anyone... Who's not living in Havana? You will find good food there. Right? Yeah, we're gonna start guided tours, by the way. So yeah, keep a, keep a lookout. <laughs> like we'd like the a official pulp. lizard tour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so right down the street from Five Centitos is a comparable experience as far as the food goes for me. Cha cha cha. Cha cha cha. What a restaurant! Love that. So spot. this place is right across the street, literally from the Museum of the Revolution where you can, you're literally sitting having dinner and you can see the grandma boat 
that Che Guevara and Fidel Castro, you know, began the revolution on. The food in this place is another mm-hmm. absolute stunner. Best beans. The beans are amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah agreed. Amazing beans. From the point of view of ambiance, probably a step down from the elegance of- I agree. Yeah, but more modern. Uh, Cinco Centinos. Cinco Centinos. But, but still a lot of fun and beautifully done. Very cool space. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a really cool space. And I'll never forget the first time we walked in there in March and it, it hits you every time you're in there. It looks like a place that could be in like Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. it's true. There's like exposed brick. It's yeah. super trendy. Yep. You, you, it just defies every expectation you have visiting Havana for the first time. Wine, the wine bottles above you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. held Ceiling. within the flanges yep. of the steel beam above. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. It's a cool spot. It is. The other thing there that's great is the service. Yeah. Yeah. The service is excellent. I well, mean, the- we had people that waited our, on us in March immediately come up. The first time we went in there, shake our hand. I mean, they don't forget. That's what we talk about. It's like home and it's just like these people become family. I, it was just so fun to walk in there, and I couldn't believe they remembered us from a year ago. And what there's I love, re- what there's I, a reason for that. Yeah, lizards uh, leave an impression. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that, you know, going back to what we discussed when we first, you know, started discussing this in the episode, is what I love about that is unlike in the United States, when someone says, "Hey, good to see you again," I believe them in Havana. Yep, that's right. I don't believe folks when they say it here. Yeah, like I in Havana, like I know when George, the host yep. at that place. Oh yeah. This 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 well dressed, like dapper dressed host of this restaurant. He's in charge of rest uh, reservations and seating and and vibe. And he's like he's like the the maitre d of this restaurant. And this guy looks you in the eye and he says, "It's good to see you again." And I believe him. And because, gives you a hug. Yeah, it gives you yeah. a hug. Like we haven't seen him in what ten months or well, eleven months. They truly appreciate the business, right? And they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, you know, they they are very in the moment. So let's talk about a negative, boys. One of the tourist hotspots. Don't make us angry. This cigar is too good right now. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Unfortunately, we had a horrendous experience, and it's probably my second one now. So I'm writing this place off completely. Is the tourist trap apparently the formerly, in my eyes, the best restaurant in, in Havana, La Guarita? Mm-hmm. What a horrendous meal experience we had there. Yeah. It was straight out of a sitcom. <laughs> it didn't feel real, honestly. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong there. From top to bottom. Yep. Every single thing. I can't deny it. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah. Plus, it rained. We were sitting outside, beautiful. I mean, the, the setting oh. is nice. It's you know, an outdoor spot is yeah, nice. Yeah, the, the deck is quite beautiful. Yeah. So, I, but, I mean, I got there at least 20 minutes before you guys did, right? I was sitting alone at the table. Not a single waiter or a waitress came by me to even offer a glass of water. Wow. Mm. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. And that, well, that perfectly sums up our evening. Yep. Yeah. Well, the, what was it? Two hours? We were, the, so we arrived. To get a meal there. So Rooster was a little early. We were on time. We arrived at seven o'clock. We placed, there was a little bit of a rain issue. We moved pretty quickly in five minutes. I think that frazzled everybody in the restaurants for some reason. We moved to another table. I'm sorry. Before we moved, it was the same thing. I had ordered a bottle of wine for the table. Before we moved, we were out there for probably 15, 20 minutes. No wine, no water, nothing nothing on the table. He's right. He's right. It was a disaster even before the rain. Yeah. I mean, even now, I mean, we are talking about, what, four years since COVID? You still have to go through the QR code 
and you have issues with data and the internet oh, and it stupidity. doesn't load up. Yeah, mm. so what Rooster's Just, referring to is they don't have physical menus. So they put this QR code on the table that you can only access by connecting to their Wi-Fi, but their Wi-Fi doesn't have any internet access. It's only for the menu. So your phone says, well, there's no internet, so I'm going to ignore this. It's like you need to be a, like a tech wizard yeah. to access their menu. It's, it's crazy. That the was whole the setup. case the very first time we went as well. I mean, we kind of overlooked that because it was our first time there. Yeah, but it's a year. Bam, you and I were there Nothing in November changed. 22. I know. It's a year and a half ago. Right. Almost. You're telling me that years ago they didn't have printed menus. Of course they did. Course no they one did. was using Q QR codes. Why they're still using this when yeah. it doesn't even work in it's there is right. just ridiculous. Make it easy. Every yeah. single restaurant had a printed menu. Everywhere. What's the big deal? And by the way, Guarita's not changing the menu. Nothing changed since we were there. No, it's all the same. That's true, too. So there's yeah. no reason. It's, it's the same, just. They don't have half the stuff even that they did when we were there the last time. Yeah. So we moved our tables. We sat down and we ordered, which was chaotic because they are intent. They're one of these restaurants that are intent on not writing anything down, which is always scary to me, especially when you have a party of five or seven or whatever people, that something's going to get messed up. And we ended up sitting there for almost two hours before our food was served. Right. We had a huge order. And this clown is sitting there pretending that he's remembering everything that we're saying. And so I asked him, I said, how many orders of this? How many orders of that? Every single time I asked him, he got it wrong. <laughs> and then finally, we're waiting and waiting probably an hour you know, into this, and he comes over with this like phone or iPad to me, and he's like, I just want to confirm. Why are you confirming, first of all, the order an hour after we've placed it, right? You should have done that from the start. And he holds in front of me, and it's still incorrect. <laughs> It's like we're trying to change things on the fly as the food's probably already being prepared. Yeah. It was just a nightmare. They opened a bottle of wine, spilled wine on Bam's shirt. Oh, that's oh, right. I, I forgot totally about that. About I didn't that. want to remember that. I mean, Jeez. it was amateur hour the whole time. <laughs> the, so true. by the way, so this is the, I don't want to use, what would you call this guy? The, the, what was his role there? He was it, a white, he was a psalm. Psalm. Was, was he a psalm? Okay. He was a psalm, really? So the psalm is walking around the table refilling our wine glasses. And spills wine on Bam's shirt while refilling Bam's wine. So here's what really happened. So when you pour a glass of wine, you should clean the underside of the bottle because you've got always that drip capillary action continues to go down. Just wipe and put it down. He was holding a towel. He, I didn't, don't know. he didn't do that. So what happened, it dripped, it, it caught he on the it edge of my glass and it went down to the bottom flange and it just hung oh, out there. Man. So when, of course, when you pick it up and you turn to drink it, it drips on your chest. That's what happened. Right. Awful. I, I thought he wiped it on his shirt. It's, it's, it's poor practice. <laughs> yeah, right? He went like this with his hand. And the problem with this experience, again, is this is not like some casual random restaurant in Havana. This is regarded as like oh. the nicest restaurant in Havana. This is true. We were sitting next to pictures of celebrities who've been there. I literally looked over, like I'm looking at this light switch that's three feet from me, and I saw a picture of Derek Jeter. That's right. You know, having visited the restaurant. Like, this right. is not a hole-in-the-wall place. This is a place who charges New York prices mm -hmm. for Havana food experiences. Yeah. And it was some of the worst of the Havana experiences that we had food-wise. It yeah. was really, really not good. And the quality of food has gone down. Well, I was going to ask you, how, how was your lobster, Senator? The, it, looked, the lobster, it looked incredible. The lobster is the one thing there that's actually excellent. Their lobster tail, flawless. But everything else, the steaks... I enjoyed it. 
I can't say that I hated the steak. I, I heard some good. low scores yeah, for the it, steak. Yeah. I, I, I don't think it, it wasn't worth the price. No. It was very edible. It, yeah, was, it was fine, fine, but it wasn't great. No. It wasn't great. Yeah, I kind of agree. I wouldn't want to go back there because there yeah. are now so many options. Everything. I mean, about. like some of these appetizers, they have this thing they call like fish tacos, and you're thinking it's going to be like some kind of fresh, you know, like <laughs> raw fish or something. It it's tuna literally fish. tuna fish on a fucking taco. I intentionally stayed away from that. And, you know, again, if that's what most of Cuba and Havana was like, yeah. I would understand. But mm -hmm. that's not it. The food scene in Havana is serious. You get outstanding food there. There's no restaurant that's putting tuna fish on a taco and charging like $25 for it. Yeah. And I think the thing to, to, to double down on what you're saying, Senator, that's really important to note is this is not Americans rolling into Havana having unreasonable expectations. This is us rolling into a restaurant that charges New York prices. And we've been there three times. And we've been there, I've been there four times okay. now. And it's, it, it, the expectation is what they set. Right. It's not what we set. And for context for the listener, any restaurant that we ate in and had an amazing meal, for five of us, we never spent over 200 bucks. Total. No. Total. At La Garita, our bill was eight hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's outrageous. Yeah, that's right. One sixty a person. Yeah, obscene for horrible service. True. Four times what we paid anywhere else, and the experience was awful. Very true. Our meal at Cha 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 was fifty five dollars a guy, and that is an incredible, including alcohol experience, including there. alcohol. And that wow. was, you know, Senator was ordering this this fantastic wine that we found in there. Oh yeah, that we're going to do on the podcast at some point in the future, maybe in the on the Vinales episode. But nice. I mean, it's just. It, it it really, really stood out like a sore thumb. And for me, I've completely written off Guarita. And the mm -hmm. last thing I'll say, you know, when, when you have a bad restaurant experience, the times that I have an easier time overlooking it is when the staff is really great and apologetic and does everything they can to try to improve it. The staff was rude. Straight like up downright rude. rude. Yes, yes. 100%. Wow. I mean, spoke to us as if we were complete morons and didn't even know the English language, let alone Spanish, which is silly. I, I just, in every way, it was unlike any experience we had at other restaurants in Havana. Yeah. For a fifth of the price. That's right. Yeah. Can uh, Garcon pass the bottle? I need some more Glenlivet. This is excellent. Oh, yeah. Excellent single malt scotch. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm very pleased. And you know it, it's odd, uh, you you know when you see we we drink so many twelves. Yeah. So when you see a fourteen year age statement, and we had the Glenlivet twelve. Yeah, it's unusual to see this. this and age I, and we'll we'll do the number. I don't remember what the rating was when we did it. I usually save that for the end of the episode to not taint it. But I think it performed okay. I know the eighteen performed very well, but this with just two more years and the finish in the cognac casks. Um, I I think is a really really excellent spirit it, for sixty eight bucks. It's outstanding. All right, boys, so let's move on from food. The other thing I found uh, to be improved on this trip was the cell phone and power reliability, which, you know, for me on, on previous trips was a little bit of a nervous situation where I was, like, unsure of how reliable the LTE network would be, how reliable the cell phones would be, and certainly how reliable the power would be. You know, are you going to be getting ready for dinner and all of a sudden the power goes out and it's not available and you're – it's a problem, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, it was way better this time. Yeah. The, the LTE network, the stuff that keeps Gizmo up at night. <laughs> it's I true. It. Listen, that's important. <laughs> hey, you know, you want to stay connected. You're, you know, It's as if we got on a plane and went to Mars. I got to connect in the morning. I need the equipment. <laughs> Where am I going to put it? What am I going to do? <laughs> His head starts to glow. It turns blue. 
Hey, the uh, podcast needs to come out every Tuesday, even when we're in Havana, boys. Correct. So, uh, you know, it, I, I found it to be a major thing. And I know that for a lot of listeners, that is a question I get a lot is, is how reliable is the cell phone network? Can I stay connected? Can I talk to my family, my friends, and my, my work situation when you're in Havana? I found it to be very, very reliable this time. Yeah, I agree. And, it was much better. And our very first time there, we had fears of blackouts, losing power. And, and we did lose power. We did. Yeah. Not, not very frequently, though. But this time we didn't lose it at all. It Not was at very all. reliable. That's and right. I didn't hear of any outages when we were there. So I don't know Same. if that's an improvement or yeah. time of year. I don't know. But um, it was much, much better this time. And the thing I'll say for the listeners, too, that's really, really important to note, crucial to note, is if you do not have a phone with a SIM card, meaning iPhone 14, 15, and above. A so physical I, SIM card. Physical SIM card. Cuba does not support eSIM. Yeah, you're not communicating with You're anyone. not communicating. It's yeah, you're, over. You're dead. It's over. Yeah. So if you don't have an iPhone 13 or earlier in your possession and mm -hmm. you go to Cuba, you will not be able to use your cell phone. They yeah. do not have eSIM technology. You need to have a physical SIM tray in your device. So yeah. if that means you go on Facebook Marketplace sure. or eBay and buy a phone. Critical. Critical that. travel Critical. Tip. Yep. You will not be able to use your phone. And the other thing I'll say for listeners, too, and we did discuss this, I think, on a previous episode when we recapped this, you got to make sure you go there with a VPN downloaded so you can use that to protect your internet traffic and access it as if you're in the U.S., and you have to make sure all your apps are downloaded. Because if they're not, yeah. as soon as you hit Cuba, the App Store knows it. Apple will not let you transact, even for free apps, on the App Store. And mm -hmm. I think it's the same for Google. So yeah. you got to be very, very careful about that. Great points. So, boys, we're into the, I guess, into the close to the last third here on the cigar. I'm just bringing this up because I want to talk about it. Yeah. But you I'm and I are close. Yeah. I'm, I'm, idea. I'm finding the where it's getting now that we're past the halfway point, it's picked up just a little bit, probably because we've been smoking it for well over an hour. But this is really giving me a unique experience in that, first off, we're, what, an hour 15, hour 18 into this episode. And we still got a lot of time left on this cigar. We do. So it's smoking slowly, which is nice. Yeah. And second, every single draw is just impeccable. It has picked up in a white pepper. It's not abrasive in any way. And the, the retrohale has also changed where I was getting fruity notes all the way down to the final third. The moment you pass that line, it gets, for me, nuttier and a little peppery, which I do happen to love. Yeah, I think the final third is now medium full. Yeah, I agree. Picked up a little bit yeah. in strength in yep. a nice way, mm -hmm. and but in um, a really nice way. Yeah, yeah, I'm loving it. Pagoda, how about you? Uh, pretty much the same. You know, um, I still get a little bit of, uh, I would I would say like the dried fruit saltiness. Uh, very, it's very slight for mm -hmm. me. Um, um, That's accurate. And and um, yeah, meeting overall very very good. So while you were talking, Pagoda, I actually just did a preemptive second cut um, just to prevent any sort of tar blast, which, mm. I mean, we're an hour and 15, 18, something in, you know, just to prevent as we get into the, you know, deep into the last third, I don't want any tar blast because we've been smoking this for a while. So I'm, I'm going to do a preventative okay. cut Smart. so I don't get blasted. You may be uh, jumping the gun, Giz. Yeah, well, it's just a little bit. I you have, may you know. be re-entering the land of the gizmo cut. <laughs> no, it's very little bit. Very little. The combustion's been great there. Oh, and yeah. the ash, if you look at the ash. Beautiful. Uh, I'm sure, like, I've been, you know, 
dropping the ash uh, every uh, couple of inches. But I'm sure that if I let it smoke, yeah. it would it would stay. Uh, it's you know quintessential Cuban ash, marbled grays and whites. Very it's nice. a well rolled cigar. Oh yeah, I'll say. Yeah. Rooster, how's your flavor wise? Uh, you know, coming down into the. I guess you're um, just a little bit past halfway, coming in the last third. Yeah, I'm, I'm also getting a little bit of cedar. I don't know if anybody else is, but a little bit of cedar at the. Uh, I've been getting cedar the whole way through, yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it comes, it kind of comes in and out as like prominent. Mm. It goes from prominent to the background, prominent to the background, but it's definitely there. Still so enjoyable. Yeah. It has picked up in strength though. Yeah. Must, it has a little say. bit. Yeah. But in a nice way, like nice not way. in a yeah, harsh yeah. way. No, it's not overpowering. Yeah. This is great though. You know, this is what I like in a cigar. Mm-hmm. So boys, another big question that we get from listeners, and it, I, I almost feel... Having experienced it like we have, I almost feel silly asking this, but I think it's really, really important. And that is the number one question I get asked on the email. And it's probably 50% of the emails we get about traveling to Havana is, is Havana safe for me to travel to? And, you know, before I throw my opinion out, I'd like to hear from you guys. What do you feel about the safety when you go to Havana? Well, it depends on who you are. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> when Pagoda walks down the street, the crowd parts. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, but uh, I, I'll tell you, it is uh, one of the safest places I've been to. And, you know, you, you know we all travel a lot. And uh, uh, very easy uh, to travel. Uh, they're very respectful and friendly people. You can get anywhere. Um, you know, uh, whether you're taking a cab or walk-in, feels very, very safe. Um, although uh, Rooster and I did have an interesting experience in a cab where uh, he avoided a traffic cop and backed out and then drove away from him. He was, oh, that's he right. was driving like a maniac, maniac. to begin <laughs> with. And, uh, you know, he was stopped at a light. A cop comes and pulls right in front of the taxi cab. He's on a... He's on like some sort of a scooter. Scooter he's moped. He's like inches away from the cab. And we're like, what is going on? So we're like, oh, you know, he was obviously speeding. So he's, he got pulled over. The cop like kind of like puts the thing on a kickstand and he gets up and he's walking around. And this guy decides to not engage with the cop, backs up and takes off. <laughs> but with us, you guys in the back seat, with us in the back seat. <laughs> so, so for a moment there, we were, looked at each other. We said, "Oh my lord, we're in for a ride." We were. <laughs> so I was. I mean, that was just for a brief moment. Yeah. But it, you know, everything was fine. Fine. Yeah. yeah. I was jonesing for a walk the entire time, and um, you were at Milia Cohiba Rooster. No, what? I was at Kampinski, and I walked to La Gorida. Yeah, and I walked to from our. Oh, we went to Melia Cohiba. We yeah, walked. so yeah. from our house to Melia Cohiba, it was like six or seven blocks. I was alone. I felt perfectly safe. Yeah, uh, that was like at two thirty in the afternoon. It, it was I'm sure you'd be safe. Yeah, but it was. I loved. It. I enjoyed the walks there, the strolling, even at night. If, and then we go to a short walk to get our taxi, but it feels great. Yeah, I think for me, very simply, walk no walk. It, it's incredibly safe there. Like. I, I have never once worried about my safety or mm -hmm. anybody else's safety there. Agreed. You know, they tell you that they do not mess with tourists at all. And it holds, I mean, the first time I went there, I was very cautious. Certain, uh, a, a, you know, a watch that I might normally wear, I didn't bring there. Just certain things like that. You can wear a Rolex in Havana. You don't have to even think twice. You don't have to worry. It's just culturally, 
different. And the reality also, I mean, you know, why the, the crime is not rampant there. I mean, there's there's no gun ownership there. There's there's not there's not much drugs that make it around Cuba. And so, you know, it's a relatively safe and harmonious environment. Mm-hmm. I always tell people that ask in my personal life, I feel safer anywhere in Havana, Cuba or in Cuba period than I do in Manhattan. Yeah. You know, I just Agreed. feel safe. I don't even think about it. I know that those people are not going to mess with me because the consequences if they do for them are drastic. Are drastic. Um, and, and obviously that's a penalty situation, but like you said, culturally, Senator, culturally, it's just not in their DNA to mess with tourists. They're so happy we're there. And even when you walk down the street in Obispo, as you're talking about, and someone's coming up to you, hey, do you want cigars? Hey, do you want rum? Hey, do you want this? Hey, do you want that? And you just say no. They go, hey, man, good to see you. Where are you from? Have a great day. They're very polite. And once you tell them you're from New York or the U.S., like (laughs) they light up like a Christmas tree, even though you're not transacting with them. They're just so happy that you're in Havana. I have never in all my time there, I've been there several times now, I have never had a moment where I felt unsafe. And to- totally agreed Same. because they yeah. don't even follow you. No. So they'll come and once you say no, they back off. They're it's really now. interesting. Yeah. It is. Most point, you yeah. walk down the street in Manhattan and some guy, you know, is haggling to try to sell something. They'll follow you for like three, five blocks. Oh, yeah. Not in Havana. Yeah. And even like my stepdaughter or my wife, when they're going to Manhattan to see a show or do something, I- I'm always like trying to escort them in and-, and be around them and make sure they're okay because I don't trust my stepdaughter walking around Penn Station going to the train like I do if she was in Havana with me. It's a totally different world. So for any of the listeners out there who are thinking about going to Havana, safety is not something to worry about. If, you know, if you're smart, you're good, and, mm-hmm. and you're not going to have any problems in Havana. Yeah. Just take a lot of cash, that's all. Yeah, well, you have to take cash because sure. obviously you can't transact uh, in credit card or debit, but um, as an as an American, as mm-hmm. an American, yeah, obviously if you're Europe, European or somewhere outside the U.S., you can. But uh, you know, um, you're totally safe. So, boys, one exciting thing that happened in Havana when we were there is our friend Rooster here had a birthday. Ah, and we celebrated. We had a great night. We went to Cha Cha Cha. We had dinner. And then we all went to the Tropicana show, as we detailed on a previous episode, which is arguably for me one of the best entertainment experiences I've ever seen in the world. Yeah, music, Broadway, concerts, anything—it is unlike anything else. It is so great. We and went there twice. We went, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Regardless, this of is how, our second time there. It's always a different show. Yeah, yeah. It's always it, changing. It, it, no, it I mean, never on, gets old. On this trip, we went to Tropicana twice, ah. but watched the show once. That's right. So <laughs> oh, we yeah. went there the La Guarita night. And it had rained, and they had moved because it rained. So the Tropicana show normally is in a big outdoor amphitheater. So if it rains, obviously everything gets wet. So we didn't know this. They moved it inside into the salon, they call it, which I think is probably about a fifth of the size. So we walked in there, and they're seating us, and I was like, no way. Went back out, got our money back, bought tickets for Thursday. A few days later, we went back, had the experience in the big room for Rooster's birthday, and it was as spectacular as it was. You know, yeah. the previous times nine. I've been there. That's incredible. Nine. incredible. And there's nothing like watching amazing entertainment, mm-hmm. sitting there, and they're bringing Havana Club rum. 
and you're sitting there with a cigar in your hand. <laughs> That's the operative thing. I mean, the, the cigar is really what makes right. it. I oh, mean, sure. you know, you can see shows plenty of places in the States and you can have a drink and enjoy yourself. But the fact that you're sitting there smoking a cigar throughout the entire duration of that show, there's nothing like it. There's nowhere else that you can do that. It's Cuba. Yeah. It's the world-class I mean, production. I, it I, is. Sure it is. Oh, yeah. It, I it, couldn't it, have asked for a better birthday. I mean, Absolutely it, it, not. It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Being in Cuba... Having a great meal at Cha Cha Cha, followed by Tropicana. I mean, what else can you ask for? Nothing. It's true. And Giz- Gizmo gave me a Cohiba Robusta from 2014. Love <laughs> for my favorite, favorite oh. year. I mean, it was it was fantastic. The How whole, was that cigar? The whole day was great. Coro, baby. Coro from 14. Cigar was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. You need another one <laughs> to make sure. So yeah, everything. Was and great. and what we did was we did get a gift for you. Mm. in cuba for you there for your go. birthday yeah. we couldn't uh hand it out uh, on the same day for uh, uh for uh different reasons we but, wanted to uh, do it on the podcast but here it is so we have a gift for rooster pagoda uh, procured this of course passing it down so um i'm really excited for him to see this it's even in the la corona bag it's in a la corona bag that i was gifted at la corona incredible i can't wait for him to see this this is exciting <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a beautiful ashtray it's, I a, see. it's a kai dorsey <laughs> ashtray now don't throw it at anybody <laughs> can you tell the people what you're opening who are not here it's with a, us it's a yellow box and it's got a big z on it <laughs> that could only mean one thing <laughs> It's the box says Zeno on it. <laughs> Your favorite cigar. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. The it's a- big. It's, it's, a- it's an ashtray. It's 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 a Z. The whole ashtray is a Z. <laughs> it's a big Incredible. like you know caterpillar like the the construction equipment. It's true. It's that yellow. Yeah. And it's a Z for Zeno, which is obviously as you remember from previous episodes when this Pagoda and Puba tr- pranked them. Actually, I love this ashtray. It's yeah, great. it's very cool. And it's you great. love that cigar. Yeah, <laughs> the Kaidorse 50 actually. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Happy birthday, Rooster. Happy Thank birthday, Rooster. Thank you. Thank you very much. But seriously, we you know, we had a really, really great time celebrating your birthday in Havana. And I told you this then, and I'll tell you this now. I am incredibly envious that I have not yet had a birthday experience a Zeno? In, in yeah, Zeno. <laughs> a birthday experience in Havana because it really yeah, was fun, man. We had a great night with you. It was great. Yeah, it was great. I could not have spent it with with better friends and company, and uh, the whole the whole day was incredible. I mean, I'm not I'm not big into celebrations of birthdays, and uh, I don't like the whole pompous, you know, the whole show thing. But uh, it was well done, and it was just a great, great, great day. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, we were happy to be there, man. And thank you for this wonderful gift. <laughs> <laughs> Big Zeno guy. <laughs> you know, the other thing I will say, and I don't mean to take away from your birthday, I was a little disappointed. So at the end of the Tropicana show, when the the show proper ends, they have a oh. big cumpleaños celebration for the birthdays. And our friend here, Rooster, would not get up and go on the stage Unbelievable. and dance around for his birthday. I was a little bummed out about Major it. Major downer. Would, would you? Would, <laughs> wait a minute. Would you have? Absolutely not. But okay. we're talking about you. <laughs> I don't think any of you guys would have, except except Pagoda. Pagoda. Pagoda, Pagoda would have oh, done it. Pagoda yeah. would have done it. 
Pagoda would have got on the stage even if it wasn't his birthday. It's true. <laughs> it would depend on the amount of uh, uh, amount of drinks I would have had by then. <laughs> so anybody going to Havana, we said this a year ago. We're going to say it again. You got to see the Tropicana show when you go to Havana. It is unlike anything else. A fantastic night. And of course, if someone in your in your party, somebody you're with is celebrating a birthday, it makes it that much more special. Because what's nice is when you buy one of the better tickets, I think the most expensive ticket's like 100 bucks. But you get every table, you know, gets a bottle of rum, and those tables are four people. So with us, we were able to get two bottles of rum because there were five of us. It was absolutely fantastic. Of course, we took the rest of ours home. I tried to grab one from the table behind me. <laughs> I got stopped by the guy who was running the uh, the section. He go. was not into that, but um, it was uh, it was just a fantastic night, you know. And then you know, boys, there's nothing better than drinking rum and having cigars in Havana, Cuba. Correct. That's true. So let's talk about that. So some of the rum that we had, I th- you know, we, we, we had some Havana Club 15. We had uh, Pacto Navio. And a newer one that we had, Gran Reserva Eminente, the which tenure. I think was a limited run, right? It was only available for a spec- I believe specific so, yeah. amount of time. And that's the black label bottle, right? No, it's got there's, a white label on it. There's a white and a black label in that bottle. I thought it was green. Where mm, green? Yeah. I think it's green. Band. Probably yeah. green, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what did you guys think of that rum? Because that was my first time having it. I found it to be very maple forward. Very, yeah, very, yeah. very syrupy almost. Yeah. To me, we've tried so many rums. So, you know, you mentioned obviously Havana Club. We've had the 7, the 15, Pacto Navio, um, uh, Santiago. We've had the 11, the 12, the 20. the 20. They all drink similarly but have different qualities about them. That Eminente tenure, not the regular Eminente, the tenure was the most concentrated, robust, yet smooth, Very unlike smooth. any other rum I've had in Cuba, period. It was delicious. It was delicious. It's it like was, a meal. Wow. In a good way. I haven't had that yet. Well, yeah, we it had really it good. at Nino's place at, in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Our friend Nino down nice. there. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> In the afternoon, <laughs> and we and we did finish it. You know, and the, we heard a disappointing story about the whole Santiago line of spirits. Yeah, so we heard from uh, so one of our friends at the Partagas shop that uh, Santiago was purchased by another company in the UK, right? And they're expecting that the things are going to change, you know, Not in good. the flavor of it, which is a disappointing oh, thing. Tremendous disappointment. Santiago Twenty is just, I, I we did it on the podcast. I think it got a flat ten. It's a holy grail of rum. Phenomenal, as, as far as as far as I'm concerned. And and we also like the eleven and twelve. We dispute uh, that in the group, you know. But the preference is there. I yeah. I like the eleven. I also eleven is like much better than the twelve. I think Senator False. vehemently False. disagrees. False. 12, in your 12. opinion, <laughs> I'm sorry. I asked just time out. I don't think uh, Bam was there for this. We were poured the twelve year at Kempinski. Every single person took a sip of that and was like, wow, wow. this is amazing. It was hmm. so smooth, but flavorful and rich. And we had the 11 year when we were out at the farms in Vinales. And outside of Gizmo, every other person I asked had said that the 12 year we were poured was better than 11. So I don't know. Uh, the only reason I say false, the majority sided with me on that. So well, what I'm, I will say, what I said to you was, I want to do them next to each other back to back because the 11 i had out in vinales was amazing okay but i wasn't having it 
back to back. I was at a tobacco farm. We were in the car for two and a half hours. That was like <laughs> the nectar of the gods after that ride. You're couching okay? it now, by the way. I, no, but that's, that's what I said to you, correct? No, that's what you said. You know, <laughs> but it doesn't change that the Look, 12 year, even your reaction, you couldn't believe what you were drinking. Yeah, it was excellent. Honestly, was excellent. the two trips ago, I we had the 11 and the 12. I, I at that time, loved the 11 over the 12. The thing I did say to Senator Tubam, to your point, is I did say, I think the 12. In the whatever we were drinking, maybe you know, like Rob Isle has said about the runs. Yeah, I think be the current run. batch yeah. of of twelve is actually better than it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. That's that's I probably do. what it is. Now, I really the, the do. Big, the big difference I would just say, I mean, this is where it is a matter of personal preference. I'm I'm joking. There's obviously no factual statements here. The the twelve year. Do you know how happy it makes me to hear that <laughs> coming out of his mouth? <laughs> no, I mean that's that's the reality with every. That's why we rate among the you know the group. I mean, we've all have different palates. Correct. But what it comes down to is, if if you like a if you prefer a sweeter rum, I think the eleven year is objectively this. I would argue is fact sweeter than the twelve, and the twelve I think is drier in terms of the finish. I like a drier almost any spirit. I don't like anything that's overly sweet. So for me, the 12-year is just more suited to my palate and I think drinks a little bit more refined. Just It's more balanced. That's why I use that word refined. But that's personal preference. If you like a more traditional sweeter rum, then sure, you're going to like the 11 more than the 12. For me, I just think the 12 is but much you, more But balanced. you like that Eminente, which was a little bit on the sweeter side. But not as sweet as Santiago 11. That's why, like, yeah, from really? a sweetness perspective, that's more my speed. I've only had the 12 once. I think it requires another try. I think still the Santiago 20 is still on the top. Right? Of course, but now future runs are suspect, right? Yeah, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. Why Why would that change? Cost cutting. Yeah. You, you just never know. Cost cutting. You know, you never know. What What costs are they going to cut from Cuba? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's just going to age it less. Who, who knows? knows? We'll try it, I guess, yeah. The, the other thing I want to mention, too, to the listener is I, I think a big revelation I had on this this trip versus previous ones was, and we mentioned having the Havana Club 15, is how consistent and, and really perfect for our experience the inexpensive Havana Club 7 was in comparison to the 12 and the 15. Like for 22 bucks, we drank more of that than almost anything on the trip. And it delivered every single time. It, it was outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah, I mean, this was the funny thing. Every single other rum that we had there, we we had it. We enjoyed it. We said, this is very good. But for the price, because all of those other rums we're naming, Santiago 11 and 12 are actually very affordable mm -hmm. now. We'll see what it becomes. But they're like 30-something a bottle. But everything else, like Pacto Navio is like 60 bucks a bottle. The 15-year Havana Club, right? That's 250 a bottle. Those are higher priced spirits, and we're sitting there saying these are really good, but from a price point, a value standpoint, nothing beats twenty dollar Havana the, Club Seven. seven. No. We all like we would have one glass, and we're like, okay, let's go back to the seven. You know, it, it just it's so satisfying at such an insanely low price. You don't need to spend more no. to have an enjoyable rum there. It drinks so smoothly and easily. It's and, delicious. And and to use a word we referenced earlier, when I drink seven, it's like. I'm sitting at home with a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like it is, it, it that is the flavor of Havana to me is Havana Club 7 with a great cigar. Yeah. I, for price, for value, and even compared to something that's 10 times more expensive in the, in the Santiago 20 or the Havana 15. Yeah. It, it, it really feels amazing. Price disregarded. Yeah. 
It's perfect. It it improves your mood immediately. It's great for a pre-evening drink. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's excellent. So the other thing I want to talk about, boys, uh, you know, certainly for anyone traveling to Havana, is the customs experience. So we mentioned, uh, you know, I don't know how many episodes ago. So, you know, we're all New York-based, so we fly out of Newark, LaGuardia, or, or JFK. Certainly there's a lot of listeners around the U.S. who were connecting either through JFK, LaGuardia, Newark, or we're going right to Miami. Unfortunately, both United and JetBlue have stopped traveling direct to Havana. Actually, JetBlue is done traveling to Havana, period. So we this time we had to fly out of uh, LaGuardia, and then we flew into my. We all connected through Miami is the point of this. So from a customs experience, what was what did you guys feel this time compared to flying the direct flights? And what did you feel about flying through Miami? Well, before we, we should also <laughs> note, we all flew American this time. Uh-huh. I, I didn't mention that on purpose. <laughs> we all had a very nice experience. It was excellent nice. experience. It I was have to admit, nice. it was awesome. It's great. It, it was, it really was good. awesome. I'm, I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Thank you. I yeah. am. I, I got to say, American was very good. The service on the flights was impeccable. Very similar to what we were saying about uh, Cinco Sentidos. I need to build up my frequent flyer miles so I can take advantage of that. By the way, Senator yelled at me. He said I ruined his life. <laughs> Direct quote. <laughs> he did. He, he said I ruined his life because he now because he now has United status and lost <laughs> and lost He's, his American status. No, He's I, ha- now. I have American status. It's I lost the highest American status. <laughs> oh that God! I've had because for of years. me. He's saying it's I ruined it his is, life. Because listen, it, the listener can go back and play the tape. I as I as strong as I am <laughs> in my opinions, right? We've all learned something from each other, and I wrote United off years ago, and so I had not flown them much in the last few years. And Gizmo was so bullish that United's good, United's good, and I sat there. I said, "Okay, look, you know, I I, I can learn something. Maybe he's right." So I committed to starting to fly United a whole lot more last year, so much so that I earned status on that shit airline, <laughs> and I'm I'm disappointed every time. I mean, it doesn't matter where you sit on their plane. You can buy a first-class ticket, and you're still treated like shit there. You flew first on American. It's an entirely different experience. The fucking seats are beautiful. They're comfortable. The stat, the the service on the plane, they actually treat you with respect. I mean, to me, it's night and day. And I asked every guy that was on the trip, and every single person said they were very pleased with the American experience. Sure. It was excellent. By the way, sure. he sat in front of me on the, the flight home, and he, he I see him peek through the seat, and he goes... <laughs> How comfortable these <laughs> As if he's sewn. He, you should have recorded that, by the way. As if he's sewn the leather himself. Of course he did. Like he was the guy that put the seats together. He, he picked goes, the stitching out. Yeah. He, he, he set the whole thing I mean, up. Ju- but just having access to that beautiful lounge. It was incredible. Yeah. The yeah. lounge at LaGuardia was very nice. Yeah. yeah. The avocado toast. Yeah. With salmon. Yeah. Smoked <laughs> salmon. So and, oh. and, and for, again, this is only for listeners who are like very frequent travelers and geek out over stuff like this. And this matters to them in the way it does to me. I travel a lot for business. The United lounges, they're fine, but they're factories. Like it, it, it feels like almost like a Lufthansa lounge or something. Like it's very German. It, it's there's a huge like cafeteria, and there's a zillion people flooding the place, and they have things that you need there. It just it I pursue an airport lounge to get away from the craziness, right? It's the alternative to standing out in the terminal with people screaming and stressed out and all the just nonsense that happens out there. So for me, the United lounges, I'm never all that relaxed in. It just, it still feels crazy. The American lounges, there's always a lot less people. They have a 
more stringent, I think, requirement just to even have access to the lounges than United does. And so it's just calm. It's peaceful. It's not cafeteria factory style. It's they have a a woman who stands there with fresh made um, avocado, not like you see in some of these joke lounges or places where they're taking avocado out of a plastic bag and squeezing it out and it's not even fresh. This is like fresh mashed avocado. They're putting smoked salmon. They had prosciutto. I mean, every it, it's just more bespoke. It's like made to order. And I, I just like that about the American lounges. Big bespoke guy. Well, yeah, the coffee was great. La Colombe. I'm telling you, man. It was, and they had a, so what's cool is if you're traveling with a family with little kids, they have an arcade center. For oh, that's the kids. cool. I yeah. didn't see that. All, yeah. all the American lounges have playrooms for kids. Yeah, it's that's very cool. cool. Very the one cool. thing it's I will say, lounge. the one thing I will say that Senator agreed with me. I do. At the moment was that the bar, so we were there early. I think our flight was 745. Mm-hmm. The bar doesn't open till 8 a.m. So we true. couldn't even have a pre-flight Bloody Mary. You were marking, so, you were taking marks. I, I was taking you notes. You were keeping I, receipts. I, I was. I looked into this because I was just as upset. It's not acceptable. It, it depends on the airport. Uh, and that was a LaGuardia thing. So when we left the lounge and we were in the terminal going to our gate, there was a big bar there. It was closed. They were closed too. That's right. You're well, right. Here in other airports, at seven in the morning, you see people drinking at the bars in the airports. For some reason, LaGuardia hmm. is very weird about the start time for serving alcohol. So it's not just American. It's a LaGuardia yeah. thing. This guy runs defense for American Airlines. No, correct. no, no. Right. You correct. have to understand. Am I yes. wrong, Bam? You are absolutely correct. No, I'm sorry. You're both incorrect. Here's why. <laughs> I don't why. know. You're like a spokesman, man. No. When Giz said this, a I... Be spokesman. Bespoke spokesman. Get it out. Get it out. <laughs> are you ready? We're done. Go okay. ahead. When Giz said this to me, I literally was equally upset. I was going to write a letter to American about this. And I've done this in the past. I've told you a story with the eggs there. Yeah, you Again, did fix the eggs. Frequent business traveler, I think it's silly. If you're sitting in an airport lounge, you're in a suit, you're going to a meeting, you're trying to have a quick breakfast. At the American lounges and many other lounges, they'll have like boiled eggs and some other things. I couldn't believe at the American lounge, these boiled eggs, they have these shells on and you're just sitting there picking apart piece after piece to just get to the egg. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm wearing a suit. I don't want... No eggshells all over me. This would be solved so easily if they just pre-peeled them, like I've seen other places do, and put them out. I wrote a letter to American. I got a very nice response, an apology. They completely agreed, and they said that they were going to work to uh, implement across all their lounges the eggs being peeled. And now, if you go in any American lounge, they're peeled. So I'm fine criticizing American when they're wrong. On the time, though, unfortunately, it's an airport thing. <laughs> Say so it, peeled bam. eggs. Say it, bam. Bespoke spokesman. <laughs> <laughs> Global Glo- air travel insider. <laughs> Global American Airlines That's insider. I, I, mean, I like, by the way, that when a lizard speaks, American listens. That's true. That's that is a, that is a good mark on there. Yeah. Their, you think if I sent that to a United, they'd tell me to fuck off. <laughs> I mean, they would. That's because I would tell them to. <laughs> no. But I do agree with the uh, senator on this, right? I got, I don't know why, but I got some complimentary upgrades on the way there, there and go. on the way back, and I have no idea why. Nice. Well, <laughs> welcome to American. Pagoda, Pagoda, Lizard Pagoda, that's L- why. Because they this, lost his luggage. That's ah. right. And they brought it the same day. The same so day. listen. Right. After uh, hours at night. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was like 7 but o'clock having, at night. Having said that, that lounge is superb. It's, it's a 20,000 square foot lounge, which is better than any other. Well, yeah. they might be. I mean, maybe some of the Centurion lounges are are. You know, comparable or better than any other airline. airline yeah, the, the Amex yeah. lounges are nice. Mm, yeah. So I want to get back to briefly 
the customs experience yeah, for the in, listener out in there. Miami. The Miami customs experience. Uh, I found customs to be actually a little bit smoother just because with the connection, I think it was a little bit squeezed on time and they recognized that. So we didn't have to waste as much time. But I know Pagoda specifically, you know, unfortunately was the one out of all of us that got picked off to have his bags inspected. Oh. And he lost some cigars. Yeah. The Hispanic looking one. This is ridiculous. <laughs> well, we all no, have, I'm just kidding. We all have but, a little patina on his skin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but overall, uh, you know. <laughs> when, you're, when you're a nervous traveler, you could be an easy target. Well, when your eyeballs are like binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> going through the. <laughs> I mean, can you just imagine like, I'm sure they can tell like your heart rate as you're like walking through. Oh, yeah, sweating. Pagoda's like fucking beating so fast, sweating. Like we're uh, getting this guy. You're, and, a, you're you know, a sweetheart, bro. It, it's really okay. interesting that three people spent about an hour and they uh, took 20 cigars from me. So wow. that's great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what a great use of their time, right? It's true. <laughs> Listen, you know what? Hey, how about just leaving uh, those 20 cigars from a personal consumption? Right. No. No. These were the ones that you brought with you into Cuba. Yeah, you didn't yes. even buy them there. No, you I did not. buy them. <laughs> yeah, I did not even buy them there. And that's, But it is what it is. Listen, overall... It was an experience, I think. I've yeah. learned through it, and I'll uh, handle them better next time. So the customs experience when you're flying to Havana through Miami is pretty damn seamless. Yeah. I was actually shocked. It was fine. I mean, they have it such that you don't have to, your bags automatically go on to Havana. You mm -hmm. don't have to collect them at Miami and then That's recheck right. them. None of that, which was great. You just go right into the same, you're in the same terminal that you land your connecting flight. They have a person at the gate selling the visa, so you don't have to go to a separate place like other airports to get it. That part was pretty easy. I know for most of us, our gate was literally two gates down from mm -hmm. our so connecting close. flight. Yeah, Could not, have been not easy. mine. Rooster got unlucky. I was, His was further. Yeah, I, was, I landed on D7, and I had to make it to D47. <laughs> and the flight was already late, so I had literally had about, I don't know, about half an hour to make it to the gate. You were sprinting. <laughs> yeah, but the reason I say that is going in I feel like that was as seamless an experience as you can possibly have but coming out that's where Miami clearly has not really figured that out absolutely well. not no because they, they want to check your bags yeah. and you know yeah. it's, it is ridiculous so in a way. to elaborate on what Senator was saying so when you get off the plane in Miami coming back home mm -hmm. connecting you had to go through you know you had to get off the plane go through customs collect your bag Go through the secondary customs and, where they pick some people off. Yeah, and you're and going on an odyssey. And, odyssey oh, yeah, it, it takes an odyssey to get it's there. It's an odyssey. Yeah. yeah. And then you gotta recheck your bag yeah. and then go through security again mm -hmm. to go back into the terminal to get on your domestic flight to come home. And that's where Pagoda unfortunately got picked off. And you you know, and the thing is uh, the timing difference is about an hour, hour and a half. And now you're stuck in customs for about an hour. So now you're rushing. I like I don't understand the overall uh I don't, an idea behind. You know what I don't understand is the TSA. It's the the thing is not uniform. Like some airports, you have to take your shoes off, and some you don't. Who dictates that? Yeah, yeah, they do what they want, and it it, it was it, it did not my, have in my like mind, having TSA precheck or global entry did not factor right. into that. Yeah, he's right. right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, that's very simple. You if you don't have global entry or TSA precheck, you have to take your shoes off everywhere. The difference was that. That route we took was specifically for connecting flights through Miami. And so they obviously recognize in the interest of time, people are going to miss flights if they have to take their shoes off, do all this. So they treated everyone as if they were a pre-check traveler. And you could keep your shoes on, keep your laptops in the bag, which was the one smart thing they did. The so rest is a mess. But That was my exact experience. No shoes off. I kept my hat on, walked right through. Yeah. So that was that was a courteous, yeah. 
So I think our collective advice to anybody who's listening to this podcast is to go to Havana with the intention of not buying cigars. And I say that because as we just detailed, there's really not much stock there. No. So to go down there and to load up on what you can actually get in the country with maybe a little bit of a premium, get what you want from certain retailers, the risk going through Miami, which is generally a very intense customs experience. We've all heard horror stories of people traveling through Miami. To me, it's not worth the risk. Don't go to Havana with the intention of buying cigars. Go with the intention of you know giving stuff away. Get some cigars if you're able to get some fine, but don't load up for the the you know for the sake of it. Do that when you're in the states. Just yeah. pay a bit of a premium, ten percent, whatever. You're it going is. to enjoy the experience. Yeah, it's, really. it's, it's, I agree, but if if you are for some reason intent on buying cigars there, just don't go through Miami. There you go. Right. Oh, we, yeah. we heard from people that we sat with in Havana saying they fly through Houston. Houston, yeah. no problem. Yeah, at all. really. Yeah. Really? And that, that's a United flight. You got to go through Houston. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was just going to say that it's easier said than done because, you know, all of us have a lot of a pretty extensive collection. That's true. But being, you know, going to Havana as, as a first-time listener and going there, you're going to be tempted. You're of course. Gonna, you, you're going to want to buy we stuff. We all were tempted the first time and we went. And we still did. We actually still did yeah. buy stuff. Yeah, and, and the other thing I'll say, you know, going through Miami, can you get through there with a little? Sure. I mean, I had 50 Cuban cigars on me. I wasn't stopped. I right. had, you know, some rum. Wasn't stopped. I all made it through. So nice. it's just you you can't be excessive, and you have to be very calm. You have to use your discretion. <laughs> As he looks at Pagoda. <laughs> Listen, you know what? I, I don't mind everything. It's just that it make you feel like a criminal, as if what is it that you've done? You've got something from Cuba. Meaning like, <laughs> hey, listen, you go over there, you're going to buy something for your personal consumption. Either don't allow us to go there completely. But if we're going there and we're allowed to come back, let us get a few cigars, even for guests, or, you know, like for gifts or whatever. It's small. So the interesting thing is now you can get Cuban cigars from anywhere in the world for personal consumption. And you're allowed up to a limited amount. Like I think it's over 100, by the way, a couple of hundred cigars or something. And the only place you're not allowed to get the cigars from is Cuba. And I just don't understand we have the reasoning embargo. behind it. Yeah. yeah, it's the damn embargo. Yeah. Correct. Life's not fair, Pagoda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back to my new world. Where's my ALR? <laughs> so, boys, it's time to move into the ratings portion of our episode tonight. Yeah. We're going to start with the formal liquor rating of the Glenlivet 14-year-aged single malt scotch whiskey. Bam, bam, you're up. So, you know, our, the second pour I had this neat, I think the rest of us did as well. Honestly, it's drinking deliciously and smooth for the price of 14-year aged whiskey or scotch. I'm going to give this a 10. All right. Wow. Really, the awesome. experience for me is just, it's, it drinks like a sophisticated spirit. It's delicious. No harsh edges at all. 10 for me. Pagoda. Well, you know, you've just raised the bar. I, you know, I was, I was at a nine. Um, so, um, I think I'll stick to a nine. I, I think I really, really like it. I really enjoy it. I've just been a little averse in terms of buying the Glenlivet for whatever reason, because it's just so omnipresent often. And, uh, so you're not, stigmatizing not, the spirit. Not fancy <laughs> enough for Pagoda. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, my, no, I didn't mean to come across that way, but, um, yeah. Oh, but this uh, drink has been delicious. I, uh, I mean, have really enjoyed it. Um, I, I really can't complain. Senator, 
this is tough in that I'm at a minimum a nine for sure. It I've always been the change. entire way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is why I'm going to talk this out until I'm certain. Rooster, we left that argument in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> Those gonna, days are over. <laughs> I'm going to exhaust this until I'm very comfortable with the rating. Um, it's definitely a nine. The the 10, I, I can't fault Bam for giving it that because the funny thing is, as I'm drinking this, I'm sitting here, I can't find anything wrong with it. You're drinking it it's neat delicious. now. And I'm drinking and it neat. And it, there gulp? are not many scotches that... No. Are this smooth yet this flavorful, neat, consistent sips one after another, and they're going down so smooth. I'm not trying to couch your uh, your rating, but wow. Yeah, this is um, this is tough. He's stumped, Bam. Do you know? I'm just this? trying to. The thing I'm trying to think of is other 14 year. The Caribbean cask, Balvenie. Yeah, Balvenie yeah. 14 cask. This neat is smoother than that. It I is much say. smoother than that. And the price point. Um, the price yeah. point is much cheaper. Sixty-eight yeah. dollars. Yeah, yeah. That the Caribbean cast what eighty ninety. I think yeah. it's like eighty. No, bucks. Uh, it's yeah, like, seventy-five, like 80, 80. seventy-five, eighty. Um, what other fourteen years? Uh, Oban fourteen. Oban is a good one. That's yeah. a ninety dollars. It's a little bottle. bit more peaty, though. Of course, it is slightly. And I don't think that would pair as well with the Cuban cigars this did tonight. This, yeah, this, did. this did pair really well. It's a no I'm brainer. gonna, I'm gonna round up. I'm it's gonna no, give it no brainer. I'm gonna give it a ten. Awesome. When you factor wow. everything into it, it's, it's I mean, it, it, undeniable. I, I'm stunned. I, I never imagined I would give this a 10, but the price point is ridiculous for what this delivers. I would absolutely buy this. I would absolutely drink it again. There's no reason for me not to give it a 10. This could easily crack right into my rotation. We're going to fight over the rest of that bottle tonight. <laughs> oh, no, I we're not. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. So I'm also at a 10. I wrote it down even before we started. This is a superior scotch for 68 bucks, 14 years aged. I'm really, really impressed. I don't even know what the rating of the 18-year age Glenlivet was. I'll look be as soon as we finish here. But it was it was really, really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm like, I'm super impressed with this, uh, with this spirit tonight. And boys, the formal liquor rating is a 9.8. Wow. So for the for this maker to get that kind of a rating in this room, that's really rare and unique. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Glenn Livet. So let's look at the other ratings we've done. Like I sorry, said, this is sorry. The, <clears throat> just quickly, we can't say Glenn Levitt. Like Glenn Levitt is some I know bargain Glenn. basement, but you know, going garbage back, brand. Going Glenn back Levitt, to what, sorry, I just there's a reason that Glenn Levitt produces more scotch than anybody. It's one of the older distilleries in Scotland. Their 18 year is outstanding. I've had their 25 year. Which is a very expensive bottle. Haven't it's tried that. Excellent. Wow. Spoke. Excellent. <laughs> you all benefit because I tried this. Stuff. <laughs> Let us not forget. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> By the way, they served it at the United Lounge. Do they? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> that's exactly where I did not have it. Well, Senator now has United status, so he'll get advantage of yes, that. Yes, I'll have some great Ballantines uh, blended uh, uh, whiskey there. But I think you're right. We take it for granted because yeah, it's so available. That's the thing. Yeah. That's yeah. the only reason people say that. It's I mean, true. Glenn Levitt makes some real. Their higher end stuff competes with anybody. Yeah, they're eighteen and twenty five. I'd put against anybody's eighteen or twenty five. Good point. So let's talk about it. We did the Glenn Livet 18 on episode 26, which got a 9.3. Wow. And on episode 60, we did the Glenn Livet 12, which got an 8.0. Still a very so good this score. this is Dude. the highest rated uh, Glenn Livet that we've done. And I think that value factors into that. Sure, sure, sure. You know, how much is the 18 
you know, your age bottle. It's got to be probably close to 150, I would no, think. No, so the, I mean, that's the one thing that's nice about Glen Levitt. Because they produce at the level they do, they can be really competitive on price. So their 18-year, you look at any other brand 18, it's over 200. Glen Levitt 18, you can get for 160. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good price for an 18-year spirit. And the 12-year is so affordable. You know, we have it at larger gatherings, yeah. and it's like I said earlier, we take it for granted, so we don't consider it a high-level spirit, but this this is something special. No, this so, was great, actually, to yeah. be very honest. Yeah. Uh, this uh, could have been easily rated uh, 10. Dude, a 9 is me. still an elite nine, score. 9-8. Yeah. yeah. That's and, very good. Yeah. And, Sorry, you know, I stand corrected. Glenn Levitt 18, you can get for 150 at Total Wine. There wow. You there wow. you go. The price point's incredible. That's yeah. ridiculous. So it's about double what this is. But I think if I'm a listener out there and I'm hearing this rating, I'd skip the 18 and go right for the 14. For value, this is an excellent, excellent scotch. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. you can drink it every day. I mean, exactly. at that price point, that's what's great about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. And it, what I love about it, too, is it paired really, really well because I think, like I said, because I think it's finished in the cognac casks. It really paired well with the Cuban cigar. Yeah, it doesn't overwhelm if, exactly. the Cuban cigar profile. Exactly. It yeah. doesn't. But what I will say is it has enough flavor that I think this will hold up against any cigar. What are the other casts it's in? If, uh, if you he make, Senator makes a good point. I can have this with a Millennium Purity, uh, Pyramid. Yeah, I'd have it with Padron, too. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Is this with sherry, uh, sherry cask as well? or No. no. I think it's oak cognac. and then cognac. Yeah. It's oak and cognac? All yeah, right. I think so. All right, boys, it's time to move into the formal lizard rating tonight of the Punch Double Corona from Cuba. Rooster, you're up. So I'm at a solid nine with this. And I think with a little bit more age, I think it's a definitely a 10. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this cigar. It's a great cigar. It's very balanced. We had no, absolutely no issues with the cigar from the beginning to the end. So, I mean, I... Just can't take any points away from this. I mean, having said that, I think with a little bit more age, you, I think you it's took a, a solid point away. <laughs> well, I did take a point away because of the age. That's correct. Because of the age. Because you know, what what if I do get a fifty cab of twenty fourteen, and what am I going to rate that? Well, so, we're going to come over so and try. Either, maybe they're both tense. <laughs> they might both be tense. Yeah. For now, at this point, this is a nine. For yeah. Me. Okay, Senator. All right, so I agree with half of what Rooster said in that I can't find anything wrong with it. What else is new? <laughs> I can't find anything wrong with it. Yeah. I can't. I know. It's not showing youth for how relatively young it is. It smokes older. The construction, this is the best constructed double Corona I have ever had by far. It's not even close. The burn was razor sharp the entire way through. Minimal touch-ups. Uh, I'm going to give it a 10. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the flavor profile was delicious. It's not a simple, basic cigar. There's enough complexity here. I would absolutely smoke this again. I wish I saw this come up more and it were easier to attain a box oh, yeah. of these. It's spectacular. It's a 10. So for me, just like I did when I wrote down the, the score for the scotch, this is also a 10, just like the scotch was for me. I agree with everything that you said, Senator. I think this was one of the best, if not the best, double Corona I've ever experienced. Are you ready, Rooster? What's new? I'm going <laughs> to agree with everything I said. <laughs> <laughs> That's also correct. <laughs> no, it is not. Hey, this is episode what? 117? That is not the He's case. He's even come around on American. That is not the case. So Gizmo's going to unload the Lucy caps that he has. I'm going to buy them at half price. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> I don't take, think so. I'll take one. I don't think so. No, I mean, guys, this was just a spectacular yeah. 
constructed cigar. It yeah. It top to bottom. I took it all the way down to like a half an inch. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was phenomenal. Every single draw was perfect. Yeah. And to think that this is only two two years aged, a little bit more than two years aged, I I can't even imagine what this box is going to be like in five or seven years. It was excellent. It's a 10 all day. Pagoda. 10, no question. Um, you know, uh, for a double Corona, excellent draw, excellent combustion. In fact, if you look at the room, it's smoky. Yeah. It is. It's like a new world, really, yeah. in a way. Yeah. So if you like the smoke output coming out from a Cuban for such a long cigar, with great draw, great flavor profile, it picked up towards the second half, which I really enjoyed as well. Uh, just a fantastic experience all night. And it's been a 10 from the very beginning. And I didn't even waver. It didn't even go down a bit. Yeah. Uh, this has been a fantastic experience. Agreed. A 10 for me. Agreed. I agree. Bam, bam. I can't disagree with the 10 rating, so I'm right there. You know, at $35, it, it's worth every dollar. Agree. So the value of the experience that you're getting from this and the, everything you've all said, the performance, the draw was fantastic. Combustion, of course, was off the charts. But the flavor profile, that fruit note for me continued all the way down into the first and second third and then slight white pepper and the body built up for me. It was velvety smooth all the way down to the end. Ten. I I love it. Yeah. The former Lizard Rating Boys is a 9.8 matching the Glenlivet 14 that we had tonight. Can you believe it? That's lunacy. That's a perfect pairing. Dude. A nine point eight. Who, right. who, no, who? no boxes for rooster. <laughs> <laughs> I said twenty fourteen fifty caps. <laughs> so boys, let's compare this to the other punches we've done. We've done five now on the podcast. The first one we did, we did not rate. It was on New Year's Eve, twenty twenty one. We were very young and green at that time. Now hold on, I got to interrupt you. Go ahead. For a value brand, we've done five punches on this podcast. We have five. Yeah. Five. Think about that. Yeah. This is not a value marker. This no, is, this, this is a high-end exclusive well, according market. According to Habanos. Habanos according to them. Habanos, yes, yeah. of course, of course. Something to say. I hope nobody from Habanos is listening to this episode. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> so New Year's Eve 2021, we did the Mantua, which was a regional edition from Italy. We did not rate it on that episode. On episode 20, we did the Punch Punch, as we discussed earlier. It did not perform as well as I, I think all of us would have liked. It was a 7.7. On episode 58, we did the Punch Duke, which was another regional from Mexico. That did not perform well, if you remember, 6.6. And on episode 102, we did the Punch Short to Punch as part of a Short Smoke Special, which got a flat 8.0. So this as the flagship of the Punch Marker from Cuba, getting a 9.8 tonight, is the far and away winner yeah. of what we've done on this podcast yeah. so, so far from Punch. Yeah, it's a very elegant experience. I can't believe how good the construction was. Yeah. I mean, top to bottom, like, I didn't touch it up at all. I would consider this a celebratory cigar for it a is. special event uh, yes. on a holiday. I think it, it would hit the mark. And for the listeners out there, if I'm you, I would chase a 25-count box of this over Lucy's right now. I think Lucy's people are chasing every day. Bon Roberts, the, the numbers are through the roof. I think these are kind of under the radar. Mm-hmm. Rooster's, Rooster's yelling at me for to Gizmo. <laughs> please, who's please edit them? this. Yeah, he's got them all. <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, this is a cigar that's under the radar, certainly from a double Corona, sitting well behind Ramon Gigantes, Hoyo double Corona, and Partagas Lusitania. This is number four as far as what people chase, right? Yeah. I mean, widely 
This is not what people are looking for. Last thing I'll say on this, number one, I'm smoking this all the way down to the nub, and it's notable particularly because this is a double Corona. Right, This is big a cigar as you would ever buy or smoke. Mm-hmm. Usually I have a double Corona, even a Lucy. When I'm down to the last fourth, you get a little tired of the cigar. I mean, you've been smoking the thing for almost two yeah. hours. And you get point. potential tar buildup in the cigar like that. I- exactly. Yeah. So I honestly, I don't know that I've ever taken a Lucy this far down. I don't remember seeing and him with a cigar that far down. St- yeah, look never. at Pagoda. We both laughed. Yeah. I mean, he's in the exact same boat I am. The flavor is still so spectacular with this little left of the cigar not harsh. I mean, bam, half inch. It's, it's just that's a, this is a usual thing for me, but I this is just an incredible stick. It, it's uh, it's unreal. And I'll uh, the last thing I'll say is it, it. I'll I'll make a definitive statement. For me, this is the best double Corona I've ever had. It's, that's I'm quite a statement, dude. Yeah, same here. I have yet to go beyond the one third of a Lucy. Wow! Wow! That's wow! How, that's how bad of an oh. experience I've had. Jeez! I mean, I've oh. had like maybe seven or eight Lusitanias. So could we from say all that different it, ages? But is, I have not. I mean, that's just my. Is this an overrated? Is it an overrated cigar? Is that I don't controversial think, statement? I, I don't think so. But it's just well, the only just thing, my so experience. I, I gave you the the famous caviar night at, and champagne at my house. I gave you a Lucy that night. That, that you, might have been the only uh, good Lucy I've ever. That had. That cab, I'm just so. It's yeah. an amazing cab. And that was from Cigar Terminal, believe it or not. What year was that? I think it's 2020. Here's a question, and this is, you know, not that I'm an expert on how to keep a humidor at certain percentages based on the cigar itself, but maybe a larger cigar requires a drier environment, maybe much drier than we think, possibly. I don't agree. I'll say this about the cigar we had tonight. This has been at probably 61, 62 for about a year and a half. Wow, that's so, pretty low. I'm I'm happy with the experience we had tonight in the way that each of these cigars burned. I do think that affects it. No, it does, but the thing that's just funny, I noticed on the wrapper and Bam called this out while we were when we first started smoking it. It reminds me of my 50 cab of Lucy's. I'm not sure exactly, I mean, who can be that precise to know inside that cab exactly, exactly what it is, but when I opened my Lucy uh, 50 cab, there's a sheen on all those wrappers in a yep. way that for some other D4s I have or other cigars in my tower, there's not quite that level of sheen on that. I don't associate many Cuban cigars with having That's true. a sheen, really yeah. notable sheen yeah. on the wrapper like you have in some thicker New World wrappers. But this cigar, similar to that Lucy Cab, as soon as I held it in my hand and Bam called it out and we started lighting it, there was just this beautiful sheen on the wrapper. And I don't think that those oils come out at a very aggressively low RH. There's got to be a decent enough amount of humidity for that to happen. So whether it's 61, 62, even 63, I think it's got to be at least there to enjoy the best of what a large format cigar like this has yeah. to offer. I mean, my be. whole tower is at like six, between 60, 63 on the bottom, about 62 on the top. Yeah. So I don't think that's an issue. The Lucy problems that I've had are mostly draw issues. Well, so it's a construction, construction problem. Very, yeah. yeah it could be a factor problems. of humidity. You just never know. Yeah. I also think they make a lot more Lusitanias than they do this. It's true. But they're also in 50 cap boxes. Maybe they need to be separated. Maybe they need to breathe a little no, bit. I no, I no. I think I don't know. Mine have all stayed in that yeah. cab. Okay. And why I say I'm lucky, again, I there's nothing more exciting when any of us gets a 50 oh, cab, when yeah. you pull it out oh, by the band the and look at Nothing like that. And I have a photo I had set when I got that cab. Every It's the only 50 cab I've ever bought. 
every one of them. Mm. The draw, it, the feet look incredible. Yeah, yeah. I it's, haven't pulled one bad one from that. Some of the best cigars that I have in my tower are out of a, out of a fifty cab. Yeah, yeah. whether it be Punch Punch, the Mantua. Yeah. Um, any any other fifty cab? I mean, they even the Hoyos. I mean, they they all smoke great. Nice. What other fifty cabs do you have? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we should go over there and do we an inventory. Need, we need a yeah. Well, boys, what a perfect cigar tonight for our Havana recap episode for 2024. I mean, to give us over two hours of this kind of experience is just unmatched. And honestly, I'll be honest, I was a little nervous bringing this cigar in tonight for the length of it, for what what kind of investment of time this cigar is. And now I feel very confident recommending this to any listener out there so boys what an excellent start to our havana recap like i said next uh in two weeks we're gonna have our vinalis uh trip recap we went out to visit some tobacco farms learned about that process the growing process the fermentation process etc and then in four weeks from today our interview with danilo uh in havana two hours with the production manager of cohiba and el Aguito. What a special time. So this is the first of three, so be sure to tune in in two weeks and then in four weeks. We'll need to smoke a Cohiba that night. Ooh, we should. While we listen to it, Bam. Correct. While we listen to it. So boys, on both the Glenlivet 14-year-age single malt scotch and the Punch double Corona from Cuba, we had a 9.8 tonight. What a perfect pairing. Spectacular night. Couldn't have been better. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll see everybody next week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for joining us. You can find our merch store and ratings archive at our brand new website, loungelizardspod.com. That's loungelizardspod.com. Don't forget to leave us a rating and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any comments, questions, if you want to reach out, say hello, tell us what you're smoking, email us, hello at loungelizardspod.com. You can also find us on Instagram at loungelizardspod. We really appreciate your time. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week.